Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Fuck your vacation. We back. We back with a bang. It is Morning Combat, Monday, August 16th, 2021. The BBC with that BDE. Brian Campbell, you're looking at me right here. One half of your hosting duo. No, that is not the great Luke Thomas next to me. He is continuing his vacation and we wish him well. But this man needs no introduction. But I'll give him one anyway. The former light heavyweight champion of the world. A UFC Hall of Famer. Always sweet, never sour. A tower of ayahuasca power. Sugar Rashad Evans. My man, my broham. How is it? It's great, man. BC, I miss those introductions, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. The Tower of Ayahuasca Power. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know, you, you, you've you made a lot of money taking your top off in public, and I'm very <laughs> proud of you for that. So great to have you back on this show. Uh, we got a big show. It, it's been about one week since we've done one of these lives. So thank you, folks, for dealing with Luke and I's um conflicting vacation schedule somebody screwed up somebody dropped the ball there but we hit you with some q a some bonus stuff bc chewing gum on the air making a lot of angry fans unhappy but that stuff's over we're back to catch up on what we missed set the stage for manny pacquiao pay-per-view week all the mma recaps and look ahead you are going to need it's mk it's where you want to be a uh, quick note rashad my parents had been uh both battling that awful COVID down there in South Florida. I've gotten so many great well wishes and prayers from our wonderful MK Army out there. I'm happy to report that after three weeks, my mom is back home. My dad's on the up and up. Life is good. We're getting back. Hopefully everyone else out there is doing well the same. Some wild and crazy times out there. But uh, MK's back. Rashad, I want to sell people our merch here at morningcombat.store. But I think more importantly... I want to make sure that the fine folks at Showtime and MK have have sent you some merch because you are a big part of this family. Are you wearing our ish yet? I, well, I'm not wearing it today, but I wore it last uh, episode and it was pretty. I got one shirt. I got one shirt. Listen, and I'm not I'm not begging, but I mean, if I'm going to wear it regularly, I need more than one shirt. Yeah, well, Can we get this guy a hoodie, a ball condom, something here so he can spread. All right. So he can spread it. All right. All around MK style. Indeed. Uh, why don't you also take the plunge 30 day free trial on all things Showtime? Go to Showtime.com uh, slash uh, something like that. 30 day free trial. Look, no risk. Right. High reward. You want championship boxing. You want the only place exclusively in the U.S. for Bellator MMA movies, docs galore. I think there's this UFO doc that we're going to have to check out uh, and get in on that. Rashad, I know you can get down with that, right? Oh, yeah. I I mean, aliens are real, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So take that plunge, Showtime.com. Pound some sand if you don't like it. I don't really care, but I want you to be a part of what we're doing. Also, what we're doing is winning podcast awards yeah i said that okay i'm swinging big i'm swinging for the fences so why don't you help us out by letting your vote be heard at this website that's about to appear on the bottom of the screen worldmmaawards.com slash nominees your boys at morning combat are up for best mma programming against some very heavy hitters including one joe rogan so this co-host is ready to bring the pain with some insufficient novocaine so why don't you put your vote out there in the world and do that shit uh 
bonus content as always morning is youtube.com slash morning combat i don't really want to sell you anything else because i want to sell you a great program today thanks for hanging with us folks through the vacations but we're back big rashad's here uh rashad before we get into the topics that be in the combat world little update on yourself i mean dude sometimes we hear teases that 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 you might fight again a lot of a lot of old guys are fighting these days what's the latest on all things rashad evans well speaking of my manager ali uh he's got some coals in a fire and uh you know they're supposed to be materializing pretty soon but i mean i haven't been getting the calls i haven't been getting the ones that i wanted so i've been really just kind of patient just waiting for the right one to come but um you know i mean i, I want to at least give myself a chance to you know do as well as i think i can and the opportunities that i have gotten have been kind of like short notice and kind of put me in a disadvantaged position and i'm not going to go back and be anybody stepping stone so i'm going to yeah. make sure i get the time i need to train the way I need to. Take that, Sam Alvey, okay? We ain't here for anybody's <laughs> uh, future, okay? We're here for that for that cheddar, indeed. All right there. So, uh, big fan of Rashad Evans. Thank you for joining us. Let's get into the headlines. It's been one week since we updated you and hit you strong. So, let's start with our biggest topic of the past week. And it's what sets the stage, if we can get this, this nice little uh, column right here flowing in. Thank you, Manich. Uh, unfortunately, maybe... One of the biggest boxing calendar uh, fights of this year and pay-per-view wise was supposed to be August 21st this Saturday in Las Vegas when Errol Spence Jr. was going to put his two welterweight world titles on the line against Manny Pacquiao. Unfortunately, uh, the pay-per-view is still going to go on, PBC on Fox, but Errol Spence Jr. is out with a torn retina, has been pulled from the fight. Your Danis Ugas, your WBA welterweight champion, will step up. He was going to be on the undercard there against Marcos Maidana's brother Fabian. And he's going to face Manny Pacquiao, who last held that WBA title when he defeated Keith Thurman two years ago, was elevated to champion in recess. Now we're going to get a little clarity there. Rashad, it's not the fight we wanted. Let's be honest. Spence Pacquiao was one of the best and biggest fights you can make in the sport. But separate from pay-per-view sales and, and, and commercial stuff, in terms of the actual fight, how much is this changing your expectations and, and the biggest storylines entering Saturday? Well, it's changing the biggest storylines by a large margin. I mean, for one, you go with Manny Pacquiao looking to be what he once was as an older fighter, aging and not knowing how many opportunities he have left to get a crack at it. So it was a big storyline in that. And, you know, just even being able to fight somebody, Errol Spence, was going to be something, you know, that, that everybody wanted to see, but now he's going against a very tough Yugas, who is um, not the story in the fact that, and don't have the belt, but a very tough out. I mean, you know, Ugas is one of those guys who he fights very efficient, has fights really well behind that double jab that he uses, and really makes not a lot of mistakes in there. So he brings great pressure to, has, you know, heavy counter striking as well. So, and he's a big guy too. So it's going to be a, a bit of a tougher fight for Manny, I think, in respects the fact that he's not going to be fighting with the same enthusiasm that he would have been fighting Errol Spence. Yeah, Manny Pacquiao, 42 years old, two years since we've last seen him, but he's still doing what Manny Pacquiao has done in this remarkable, legendary 26-year pro career, which is constantly step up and take chances and face the big names. Facing Spence, look, the biggest storyline was going to be the danger involved in that and the fact that, you know, at his age, he's still doing big things when some of his contemporaries, to be honest, are cashing them checks against YouTubers. 
I still think this carries on that theme, though, Rashad. Ugas maybe isn't as dangerous as Spence, but to your point, he's a very, very tough out. I mean, the hardcore boxing fans know what he brings to the table from that Cuban school. Only I think Ugas, who you mentioned, is, is big for this weight. He's a little more aggressive than the tr- traditional Cuban fighter. I mean, certainly from a Guillermo Rigondeau standpoint, who we're going to talk about later in this show, <laughs> Ugas will walk you down. He'll get in there. He wears the Keith Van Horn high socks, and he's hard to look good against. He's a clean counterpuncher. And Manny accepted this fight, Rashad, on like just like that notice and said the show must go on. And, you know, there's there's talk of will Manny run for president. He had a fun little joke about, you know, I'm bipartisan politically in the ring too, lefties or righties. So he's going to switch from the southpaw Spence now to Ugas at last minute. Um, I had an interview with Manny Pacquiao in the last week plus that you can check on YouTube. We're going to throw to a a clip of it now. Yeah, maybe part of it is a little dated, of course, because Spence is no longer the opponent. But I did ask Manny specifically about this legacy and the fact that he's still trying to face the best. And let's be honest, Spence wasn't available, but he's not facing a cupcake. Ugas is going to come to fight. Let's hear from the great Manny Pacquiao. Canelo sometimes gets compared to you of late because he keeps moving up in weight like you did, where you were never afraid to take on challenges. Manny, you know it. This era of fighters, I don't want to say they're afraid, but sometimes they want the easy fights for the really big money. Like, what makes you different that you're still challenging yourself? I mean, like, nobody, very few guys do that. Do you realize how unique that is? I think that the, the evidence of uh, being passionate for this sport, uh, boxing, uh, because boxing is my passion. I want uh, a fight, not only making money, but uh, giving inspiration to the boxing fans uh, and also uh, encouragement to uh, other fighters, uh, young fighters to uh, um, work hard and have determination and focus on their uh, dreams. Rashad, you've been around this combat game a long time. I mean, you know in boxing, when you have star power, you can use it to your advantage. And we saw Floyd do that to a certain degree and face who you want when you want to. This guy turned pro in 1995 as a 15-year-old at 106 pounds. He's still doing the business, man. I never thought, even after the Mayweather fight six years ago, that this guy would still be challenging himself. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You look at the fact that, you know, the way that he fights. Manny Pacquiao is one of those fighters who's not going to keep it safe on the outside and pop shot. He's going in and he's fighting. He turns it into a fight and lets it all hang out, takes big shots, gives big shots. But at the end of the day, whenever you see a Manny Pacquiao fight, you know you've just seen a complete boxing match. You've seen a great fight as well, too. And, you know, when when he's going now against Ugas and, and whoever else and keeps on challenging himself... That is that's unbelievable because, you know, at some point you think, you know, at, you're not going to be able to physically take the beating that you're able to take when you're younger. But he just keeps on just, you know, proving that he can and he's not getting chinny. His legs are still good. He still has the same bounce. And with Manny Pacquiao, that bounce that he has is the most important thing in this whole game. It helps him go in and out and land those big shots. So the fact that he's still doing it and at the level he's doing it is unbelievable. I mean, the fact that he's still explosive, has speed, it's it's wild. And and 
it's it's adding a lot when you consider, you know, he beat Tim Bradley in their trilogy bout to add a little sugar on top, if you will, to his resume. Then he beats Keith Thurman, who was unbeaten and pound for pound ranked. And, you know, now he's not going to face Spence. But if he goes out there and beats a hungry, active, strong champion in Ugas, I mean, I don't think it's going to be enough to touch Floyd, let's say, in the great debate of whose era was it. They went head to head. I'm not here to talk about Manny's shoulder or the salt water that healed him. Okay, bro. They went head to head. Finally, Floyd won that fight eight rounds to four, in my view, and it was it was concrete and solid. Whether it was entertaining to the level of the casual fans, pre, you know, preparation or not, I may have just invented a word right there. But I just never thought that Manny could still be adding more. Um, again, I don't think it eclipses Floyd, but you're seeing people like Max Kellerman and others going, "Hey, hold up." Manny's building like a quasi goat resume here, you know, in that conversation of the greatest of all time. So we've got to give him that credit. He's been knocked out before. I mean, Marquez shut the damn lights out in the kind of knockout that ends careers and he kept coming. So let's enjoy him while he's still here, while he's still making big fights. If you're not really uh, up to speed on Ugas, he did suffer two defeats on his initial rise up. He's put things back together in the last few years. He had a big fight in 2019 against Sean Porter in which he lost a very close decision. Rashad, you saw that fight as well as I did where Ugas was not credited with a 12th round knockdown that would have lifted him to victory on the scorecards. It would have been huge, but he bounced back since there, handed the first loss to Brandon Figueroa Jr., won a welterweight world title. So this guy's legit. This should be a fun fight. Rashad, as we sort of exit this topic, should we be worried at all for Errol Spence, who is one of the three or at worst four best fighters in the game today? He's unbeaten. He's got two or four welterweight titles, but we've already seen him survive a a literal death-defying crash when he had the DUI that changed his life. Now we add a torn retina. Fighters have come back from that before, but fighters have also never fought again after injuries like this. How concerned should we be about his future, given that he's right in the midst of his physical prime? I think really concerned. I mean, you know, take a look at Michael Bisping. You know, Michael Bisping had a tour retina and he continued to fight. And then afterwards, he suffered great uh, injury to the eye to the point where he lost vision in the eye. So it's a very serious thing with, with a injury like a retina because you don't know you know, it doesn't get a lot of blood flow. It's an area that really takes time to heal and getting hit in the head. And you never know how the, the blows in the head is going to, you know, affect that eye. And then, you know, we don't even know how much of that accident really part, uh, you know, partook in the fact that he, his eyes mess up right now. Because if you see some of the pictures right after the, you know, right after that uh, car accident, you see he had the, you know, the messed up eye and everything like that, the bruising inside the eyeball. So, you know, he had some impact to the eye. And just like, you know, he did fight uh, Garcia after that fight, but just like an, uh, just like a boxing match, you know, it, it's the punishment that happened to the body. Over time, it continued to, you know, show its uh, its holes, show, show that it's there. So um, I think that, you know, with this retina injury, I think he needs to take some time and really heal himself properly and not get back in there, you know, because you feel like he needs to prove people wrong, you know, people saying that his retina is not really hurt or whatever the naysayers are saying about his injury. He just needs to really take his time and really heal himself, try to find some, you know, unconventional methods to to really heal the eye and make sure that it's really healed. Are we talking about licking toads? That unconventional? <laughs> Where are we going with this? No, I'm talking unconventional methods. I'm talking about like, um, 
you know, amniotic fluid, you know, amnio well, they call it, they call it, you know, um, stem cell, all those kind of things that really help the body uh, rejuvenate and heal itself on another level at an expedited rate. I think those are the kind of modalities that he can use to really help him, you know, get the edge and really turn the corner in his healing process. Because like you said, I mean, you know, the eye injury is a very hard thing to, uh, to deal with. And if you have an eye injury, it's going to be something that always stays in your mind when you get hit in the eye in the fight and you can't see, it's going to go back to, oh, my gosh, is my retina detached? Can I see? It's going to make that worry a lot more in a fight when you get hit in it if you don't have the confidence in that eye. Yeah, same injury that put Sugar Ray Leonard out in the midst of his prime for, you know, five years, basically. He did return once during that five years, but then we saw where he did come back after it was fully healed. We wish the best for Spence, one of the best fighters in the game. We want to see him against Crawford. We want to see him against everybody. I don't know, Rashad, if we're going to end up ever seeing Pacquiao Spence, which could be a big-time lament, but this Saturday's fight, good just the same. And I did want to shout out the folks at PBC on Fox for the matchmaking here. Rashad, on this pay-per-view main card is a washed welterweight sloppy Super Bowl that only your boy BC could enjoy when former (laughs) champions Robert Guerrero and Victor Ortiz are going to square off. And I'm not here to break down this fight. I'm just saying I've had this idea from day one that remember remember the contender series it was like the ultimate fighter we put these fighters in a in a reality house i think you should scoop up all the washed welters under the pbc banner andre berto devin alexander all those guys put them in the same house do a redemption contender season have them face off one another for the ultimate you know title of uh least washed all right that's not that's not bad there's there's a place for this okay there's a place for this level of matchmaking rashad no i li- i like it i like where you're going but i want to say one thing um you know, going back to the whole Manny thing and, and, and Uga's fight, um, one thing that makes me feel as if like Manny stepping in this fight also with not the same advantage or same mindset is because he's been there's been rumors and talks about him talking about retiring. You were talking about, you know, will we ever see Errol Spence and Manny reco- uh, fight after um, Errol recovers? And, you know, it, it all depends. I mean, because, you know, he's talking about maybe retiring after this fight. And if it if it goes that way, if it goes a way where he doesn't feel comfortable, if he doesn't feel as if like he fought to the level he needed to against Ugas, then, you know, we, we could definitely hear about Manny re- retiring and, you know, him fighting Errol Spence would never be. But um, that's just another thing in the hat to make you say, is Manny coming into this fight as confident as he would have if he was going against Arrow, you know? Right. Or is he pushing through just for the money and to and to keep the train on the tracks? Does he really understand the challenge that's going to be there? Nugas, who's a completely different type of fighter, should be fun to watch. I did ask Manny about that retirement talk, and he told me, look, it's going to be fight by fight. It's going to be, you know, what do I look like? What do I feel like after this fight? And he's going to address that. Freddie Roach was on this show last month and said, Uh, He thinks uh, Manny will want to fight once more if he can become president. He wants to have that sort of on his ledger of having won a fight as Filipino president. I don't know about that, but Rashad, to throw off of this topic, your boy BC and Manny, we did get along like two peas in the pod. People can still check out this interview. In fact, I wanted to challenge the great karaoke champion himself to a little duet. Let's check this out. (laughs) But Manny, the most important question of the interview to close is this. Are you still singing? I never hear you sing anymore. Sometimes when we touch. Come on, Manny, never. <laughs> What's going on here, bro? The honesty too much. Uh-huh. If I have. <laughs> I want to hold you. Yeah, you know the next line. Uh, till the end is a song. Oh, gosh. The, the, the sultry, dulcet tones of the great Manny Pacquiao. I love it. 
Tell Boo Boy we said hi. Best of <laughs> luck on the fight, Manny. Thank you so much for giving us some time. Uh, thank sir. you. <laughs> I love it. Sometimes when we touch. <laughs> the great Dan Hill Yacht Rock classic it. there, Manny. And I Manny was holding up, by the way. He's on the cover of these new next level they're called next level hydrogen waters put over by the folks at Takeover Industries. Rashad, I've been drinking some of these free samples. Uh I love it, man. It's supposed to uh cure hangovers, smooth out your skin, slow the onset of dementia, recover, make you feel young again. So uh, you know, I don't know if we can get that in Rashad's diet as well. Over there, the folks at Next hey, Level. I, I need that. Time. I need that. Bring it. Bring it. <laughs> All right. If they, you know, the best kind of snake oil is the free kind. So I'm here for it. But I've really enjoyed this product. So love that just the same. All right. Let's keep the show rolling on. And this past weekend, we did have some MMA for all you fans out there who hate when we talk about box endlessly. Well, let's get into the MMA. Bellator 264 took place this past Friday night on Showtime from this fight's fear at the Mohegan Sun. Gegard Mousasi defending the middleweight title in the main event, a third round TKO of submission expert and grappler John Salter. So Rashad, I want to sort of frame the analysis to you like this. Gegard's 36 years old. They're talking about him on the broadcast as almost like a living legend. When you look back at the ledger, which has seen him fight, what, upwards of something like 57 times over a great career across many promotions, do we give his legacy the respect it deserves considering he went out there against a tough guy in Salter and did the business and he's now 11 and 1 since 2015. This is not a, you know, once great but now slipping fighter who's hanging on against nobodies. He's 11 and 1 since 2015 and that includes having won his last four UFC fights. How impressed are you? I'm really impressed. I mean to do it at the age he's able to do it at, but you know what? At the level he's able to do it at still, you know, he's he's had a long career. He's had a career where he's fought at heavyweight. He's fought at light heavyweight. He's really fought all over the upper three weight classes, you know, uh, consistently and going back and forth in, in just different divisions and different um, organizations, you know, being champion, contending for championship belts. And he's still here. You know, he still has that great style that that ages so well. And I think that's what what we're seeing right now. You know, he because he was an athlete who never really used those athletic attributes, you know, the quickness and all those things that all these great athletes are known for. He's kept it simple with just basic technique. And that basic technique has lended him a huge hand as he gets older and he fights because now as you get older, the cerebral part, the mental part catches up to your uh, your physical part. And then now you have a fighter who is, you know, great basics, really great basics, but now has a mental capacity to really imply it on other levels and also really know how to take the fight out of his opponents. I mean, what we're seeing in Masashi right now, he can go up and definitely contest those guys that led heavyweight, you know, the winner of this, this, uh, this tournament. And uh, it could be interesting. Yeah, there's big business for him there. Should he want to do that? Like you mentioned, uh, we got Rumble Johnson, we got Vadim Nemkov, Ryan Bader, etc. But in this fight, it was really the perfect, let's say, execution of what you're talking about. A more efficient cerebral style where, okay, he's 36, but he's still got that heavy jab. And how about the way he put away Salter? He was willing to lose that first round and be, have his back on the ground because Salter was going, you know, guns blazing for the takedown relentlessly. But he knew if he waited around, he could get a weakened Salter who was starting to gas out. And once he did, Musasi just sat down on those stuffed takedowns and really put on some vicious ground and pound. When you look back on this, 
we certainly can both agree smart execution and win for Musasi. Was this the right game plan for Salter, given his strengths and weaknesses? I think it was the right game plan. I think that what um, Salter, uh, you know, what he did with Salter was he knew that Salter was going to come in and try to take a page out of Havato, uh, Lovato's junior book and really put the pressure on Musasi, really make him wrestle, really make him expend some of that energy so when he gets back up to his feet, he's not fight, uh, striking as effectively as he normally does. And and that was going to work, but the problem is Musasi was all ready for it. He came in there like a like a sponge ready to absorb all of that. And then once he absorbed it, he came back with his own game and didn't show a lick of tiredness and was able to then, you know, start to, you know, sprawl on the takedowns and really put up a contestant for all that whole grappling that's, um, that, that's, that his opponent was trying to do. So I think that it was a great game plan by him. It's a great way to really take, you know, just listen to the visual cue, just listen to the visual, I mean, the audio things that, uh, his, his opponent was talking about, he was talking about uh, being able to really just draw out his energy and really pushing the pace on him. He was listening. He said, OK, we'll see. We'll see how much he pushes the pace. But he knew he was going to come with that pace and he built that into the game plan, which is genius. And that, that's what happens when you have 57 fights. You really try to just understand how the other opponent is going to fight. Yeah, absolutely. It's improved his record to 48-7-2. And, and we can certainly talk about what he's done in his great history across multiple promotions, he was a strike force light heavyweight champion. To your point from earlier, he, you know, submitted a great heavyweight in Mark Hunt. But the recent run, the the, the eleven and one in the past, you know, uh five years, really five years, is incredible. Let me dead wrong myself here, Rashad. He went five and oh to close his UFC run. And those are wins, by the way, over Talis Lightis, Tiago Santos, Vitor Belfort, Uriah Hall in a rematch of a knockout loss. And Chris Weidman, then he's a big-time free agent. He goes to Bellator, and he's 5-1 and one in Bellator since, including wins over a former champion in Carvalho, Rory McDonald, Leota Machida, Douglas Lima. I mean, this is, this is pretty damn impressive. I'm one of the media voting members of the, of the new Bellator MMA rankings, and I've, I got him number two pound for pound under the Bellator banner right below A.J. McKee, who's just, you know, torn the roof off the building with what he's done recently in the featherweight grand prix we got to really give Gegard his flowers he's still got it man he's still one of the best in the world at at either weight divisions that he chooses yeah you know one thing that for me that stands out when i think about Gegard and his ability to continue to rise to the top is the fact that you know the way that he approaches each and every single fight where he's not even like afraid to admit when he just had a lackluster fight. You know, most fighters are like, oh, make excuses, all these excuses. He doesn't make excuses. When a fighter doesn't make excuses and they're able to face themselves, whatever deficiencies they had, you know, in the fight that, that make people question their ability, you know, he's able to face. And because he's able to face it, he's able to get better. He's able to learn from it and use it as a growing, uh, a, a, something to grow with. And um, a lot of fighters don't do that. But I think that's one thing that makes Musasi the way that he is right now. Yeah, and even in his lone defeat under the Bellator banner, which was when he ended his first title reign with that loss to Rafael Lovato Jr. that you mentioned. I mean, that was a majority decision that could have gone either way. So a great career there that's going to keep going. And Rashad, we saw in that video, Austin Vanderfer, the unbeaten top contender, of course, uh, Mr. PVZ, but he's making his own name now, throat tat and all. He came into the cage. He's still nursing that left arm injury. But that's going to be the next matchup you know, it's early, of course, but how much of a challenge do you think Vanderford's going to bring to Gegard? 
I think it bring a pretty good challenge. You know, he has some pretty good striking and, uh, you know, he hits pretty good. So I think that in the striking department, it will be uh, a bit tougher. But I think, you know, Musasi, he, he, sometimes he's a little bit too relaxed and too and just too placid sometimes in the beginning of the fight. And I think if he starts this fight a little bit more intense and he'll be able to meet that intensity that's coming the other way with Vanderford. But I mean, when you're going against a guy, a younger guy who's stepping in there, who's never been there, who's never had a chance to fight for the belt, they're coming in with that energy and you have to be able to match that energy right out the gate. And then slowly, once you dissipate that energy, then you can do the slow melt like uh, Gegard likes to do. Uh, Rashad, we always speak the truth here on all things MMA, and this was a, let's speak the truth, this was a very strong Bellator card, top to bottom, big time fireworks, big time, you know, finishes, but also really good matchmaking, and I know all week on CBS Sports HQ, you had been talking up this Bantamweight contender bout, potentially a number one contender bout, when Red Hot Rafian Stotts went in there against my guy, Magomed Magomedov, who, of course, the only man to defeat, uh, or to legitimately defeat former UFC Bantamweight champion Peyotr Jan. And of course, he lost that rematch. Rashad, we knew coming in this was going to be the battle of two guys going upwards. Both could wrestle. I got to say, I was blown away that Rafian Stotts was able to neutralize almost anything Magomed, Magomedov did to try to get the one up on him. You know, for me, uh, Stotts did a really good job of just answering the call when it came to grappling. You know, when it came to grappling, he never conceded to any position and he was always scrambling. And that was a difference in his fight. His ability to scramble out of Mega Medoff's, you know, takedowns and really just solidifying a position, he didn't allow it to happen. And because he was always able to fight in those little spots, it made it a lot harder for Magomedov to really capitalize on his positions. But then furthermore, when he got back up to his feet, that's when Stotts really was able to land in better shots and really put pressure on Magomedov, making him feel like he really needed to get the fight down. And then it was more of just the same where Stotts was able to win the wrestling exchanges. But it was all captivated by the fact that Stotts wasn't afraid to even engage his wrestling. He trusted and believed in his collegiate wrestling. And he's like, listen, you know, American wrestling versus Dagestani, you know, Sambo, you know, that's what it was. And uh, he really went in there and really displayed a good level of just the difference in the two sports with just the ability to scramble and contest everything that Magomedov did. Rashad, we don't talk about Rafian Stotts nearly enough to what he deserves. Now, granted, this was his highest profile bout to date, and let's give him credit. He leaped through the screen. He showed up and he showed out. Like this was this was a big time fight from the standpoint of like two technically strong guys with a lot at stake. And it was that unique fight where there wasn't a ton of striking, but there was a lot of adapting and all that. Rafian Stotts, who's 32 years old, is 17 and 1 as a professional. And Rashad, his only loss was against Marab Davilashili, who's, uh, I know I butchered his uh, last name as I always do, but it was by spinning back fist KO under the ROC banner four years ago. He has rebounded so huge. He's unbeaten in Bellator. Dude, he's looking like the real deal. And maybe it took him a little longer to put it together than others, but with that collegiate amateur background, he also can talk on the mic. You know, you say. Breakout star that that could be a loaded thing, but for Bellator's purposes here, this guy feels like he could be something big. He really is. I mean, the way that he got the mic and started speaking afterwards and really selling himself on another level, these are the kind of athletes that you really want in the promotion because these are the kind of guys that's going to make people tune in. You know, guys that really talk a good game, guys that really just have that charismatic effect, but at the same time can fight like this, can fight as good as they can talk. And and that's what we're seeing here. You know, we're seeing a guy, you know, that, that that's 
going to keep getting these opportunities and keep on growing in the sport just because of the fact that he has great fighting ability and he has great on the mic. I love that he was basically like, I'm not going to talk about myself and my wrestling ability. And then two seconds later, he's like, I'm the best wrestler in this division and in the world. I mean, it was, it was you know, flamboyant and hilarious. Yeah. But, you know, to his credit, look, Magomedov's tough as nails. I still think you're looking at a potential future champion. And Magomedov's credit, in round three, man, he just, he tried every single trick, Sambo or not, that he had, that he learned in the Schmesh factory to try to turn this fight around. I didn't think Stotts had this level of everything, poise, adaptability, all of that. Um, this could give him a title shot, Rashad. Nothing was announced. We know that his own teammate and friend, Sergio Pettis, is the champion right now, having just beaten Juan Archuleta. But Stotts said on the microphone, look, buddy, Sergio, if we got to do it, we got to do it. But one thing to note, Rashad, there's been some rumors that if you're going to go and you're Scott Coker and you're going to go in that Grand Prix direction, which they've had such great success at heavyweight, light heavyweight, welterweight, and now featherweight, maybe we go bantamweight. Maybe he doesn't get the next title shot. Maybe we look at this division uh, on the outside looking in, and it might be time to pick the ba- the eight best names and go after it. Is it time for 135 for the Bellator Grand Prix? I think so. I think it would be a good way to kind of just – you know, reintroduce these guys to the world. And I think it'd be a great highlighting, you know, for, for the division. You have guys like Stotts who are just these the stars who are just kind of uncut, you know, undiscovered. And really, you know, with an opportunity like like he had against Magomedov, he really shines on that level. So there's other diamonds in the rough. And I think that Bellator is really finding that, you know, these guys are just um, competing at another level. And, and not for nothing, I believe the tournament really helps these guys, you know, get to another level when it comes to learning how to compete under pressure and really just kind of, you know, getting their minds around, you know, making a fight just a fight. Sometimes in a whole fight game, we get our minds around who we got to fight and, you know, what my ranking is and all this. When I started fighting, I fought everybody, you know, I was fighting tournaments and it really, it really didn't matter. It was just a fight until, you know, I was champion until I was the best. And that's what fighting has to be. Fighting has to be, you know, not so much of a cerebral process sometimes, you know, as far as making and deciding who you're going to fight. If you're going to fight, fight everybody in the division. And I like these tournaments for that reason, because it's proven time and time again, when these guys do this tournament, it just improves the whole entire weight class. Not even just the whole entire weight class just raises another level. I think there's two things from Bellator's standpoint that they can accomplish by doing these Grand Prix. One is what I thought the heavyweight tournament was. It was more about show and flash, Rashad. We had we had Chubby Rampage, we had Chael Sonnen, we had Fedor. You know, it was more about like, let's just make some fun matchups and see what happens. But some of the other divisions in which they've done these tournaments, I think the you know, the best thing that you can say about yourself is we're doing this tournament to show the world that the best fighters at this weight class aren't all in the UFC. I think they accomplished that at featherweight, certainly. Welterweight, when you had Lima and Roy McDonald and others, you know, they had that chance. Light heavyweight right now with Nemkov and Rumble and Bader, they've got that chance. Let me tell you who could, could be in a Bellator Bantamweight World Grand Prix should they go in this direction. Champion Sergio Pettis, former champion Juan Archuleta, former champion Darian Caldwell. Now you've got Stotts. You've got Patchy Mix, who was on fire and lost that vacant title mm-hmm. bout. You've got James Gallagher. You've got Magomed Magomedov, who could be a future champion. you got Leandro Higo. And Rashad, along with guys like Matus Matos and Eric Perez, how about two more names potentially for you? How about your boy Horiguchi, right? How about that guy? How about you get that guy on the, on the phone? And how about, this is me talking, not Scott Coker, 
How about Patricio Pitbull Friday, who said he can make 135 and he wants to be the first Bellator three division champion? Rashad, there's not only depth and star power there, but you could almost tell the world, okay, we don't have Jan or Sterling or Sanhagen, but we got an argument for best in the world at 135, and that's what you want to do with these tournaments, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, these tournaments work, and, and, you know, seeing Michael Chandler in the splash that he was able to make in the UFC, he's one of these tournament fighters, been in a couple of Bellator tournaments, and, and it shows that, you know, it, it really was a proven ground for him to become the fighter that he is today. You know, it really was one of those things that just tested his grit, tested his mindset, tested his ability, and tested his fighting capacity to be able to compete on the stage UFC, jump right into UFC, and then make that impact right away. You know, these guys are competing in this tournament. You know, it's non-forgiving. There, there's there's really no excuses in there. You're out there and it's, and it's, you know, kill or be killed. And these guys are going out there and rising to the level. And when you put the champion on the same, the same plane as you do everybody else, and you're like, okay, the belt's going to keep going throughout the tournament it's up to you champion to hold it that puts a pressure on the champion that you don't normally see and uh it's good because it makes everybody else fight at so much of a higher level i think i just jazzed myself up i think i gotta clean up on aisle bc <laughs> studio over here i'm fired up scott coker make this tournament right now i'm sure you probably are doing that i don't think you care about my two cents but let's do this thing this should be fun rashad let's keep the mma flowing from the weekend friday night was pfl7 in the kickoff of the 2021 playoffs from the hard rock in seminole uh, florida they're right down the street from yourself and what we got in the main event rashad was you could argue the best matchup PFL could have made on paper to start the season, right? It was the one I wanted to see in the final because of some shoddy judging in that Gleben Tiso, uh, Tebow fight last uh, last time around. We got it in the semifinals. Either way, we got it. Ray Cooper the third, your defending PFL welterweight tournament champion from back in 2019, went in there against Rory McDonald and Rashad. This was an outcome that I didn't necessarily see coming. A wide, unanimous decision win for Ray Cooper III. He had the advantage on the feet, but maybe more surprisingly, he held a dominant advantage on the ground. How big of a win is this for a guy who's trying to knock on that door and show the world that, you know, I'm, I'm coming. I'm one of the bigger names here that, you know, in the future at Welterweight. It's huge. And unless you live in Hawaii, you're not really well aware of the Coopers and their family and their story behind it. But the Coopers are, you know, a great story from Hawaii. You know, they they have a little place that they train and they have like an invite only. But, you know, it, it's a family, a fighting family. And they have a, you know, high prestige and, and high honor with, with them in Hawaii. So these guys fight with that mindset, you know, even though they're not in Hawaii, they bring that every single place they go with that mindset and fighting at that level. But I mean, it's a great fight for him. He showed that he has great striking, great wrestling. And he did such a good job of really mixing it up landing those big shots, getting Rory to exchange with him. And then once Rory was exchanging with them, whoop, right underneath for the takedown. Textbook, you know, wrestling one-on-one, -on -one, but very effective. And especially against a guy like Rory McDonald, who's pretty much seen everything and really has a great ebb and flow of trying to understand what his opponent's going to do. So um, to, to get a guy like Rory and to dominate the way that he did on the feet as well on the ground, I mean, it just shows that this guy has another level in which he's uh, yet to hit. I mean, it's really hard to downgrade this win at all because at 32, Rory's still in his physical prime. We saw him destroy Curtis Millinder to open this tournament in his PFL debut. And like I mentioned in that Gleason T-Ball fight, okay, we got some shoddy scoring, but you know, I thought Rory made the adjustments and had sort of clearly won that. 
and he just wasn't in this fight at all. And you saw the pre-fight sort of video packages in which Rory said, look, I'm, you know, uh, maybe I won't have a complete advantage in striking. It would be even, but on the ground, I'm a much better wrestler, and that's going to be my game plan. Rashad, he didn't hide. It was it was deliberate, in fact. I thought Kenny Florian pointed it out correctly that it was almost too deliberate in what he was trying to do. He couldn't get Ray Cooper down, and he couldn't keep him there. Cooper was able to reverse positions, was able to get top position, and then was just a heavier striker. I want to ask you a, a real question here. It's real talk time, okay? The post-UFC run for Rory has had some legitimate highs and lows. You know, he beat Lima in that five-round thriller to win the title. That was a high. He had the weird John Fitch fight, the weird Lima rematch, the one-sided loss to Musasi at middleweight. Was this fight more about where Ray Cooper's at or more about what Rory is not willing to do anymore, maybe not capable of doing anymore on the big stage? Let's be honest here. I think it's a little bit of both, but I think it may uh, go into the fact that, you know, Rory may not be willing to do what he once did before. I mean, you know, Rory talked about before the mental issues that he's had coming into fights, you know, being able to, you know, does he really want to do this? You know, once you start questioning yourself, is this something you really want to do? You know, the reservation is already there. And then, you know, wanting to go to that place, that dark place, you know, where you know that a lot of fighters can't follow you. You don't want to go there anymore. But in order to really be the best, in order to really scrape at the top and be a champion, you have to be willing to go there. You have to want to go there. You have to understand that if I'm going to go there, this guy is not going to want to follow me. And if he does follow me to this dark place, he's going to want to go back because he's not going to feel safe. And Rory may not just be willing to do that anymore. I mean, he's tried to reignite himself, you know, by coming here to Sanford and South Florida and training with some killers. And that's done a good part for him. But for the most part, whenever you're looking to really, really transform your mindset, you really have to do it from a mental standpoint inside, inside, you know, and uh, has Rory done that? I don't know. And it doesn't look like he has. You know, I, I may have may have sounded like I was contradicting myself where I said, you know, I don't want to discount this at all. I can't discount this win at all. And the reason why I say that is because I think Rory is still technically very strong and very elite. And that's, I think, why he had great success against Tebow and Melender. Guys, he's he's better than and, and he was just able to out technique them. He tried to out you know, be, be more technical than, than Cooper here and just got beat at every corner. So I'm not going to downgrade it, but I do believe what you said is true. I don't think Rory wants to go to that place anymore. And I don't, you know, and I don't know if it's in, in, if he's unable, I, I think it's more unwilling. I mean, look, this guy's been through, I mean, hellacious war. Rashad, if he would have walked away from the sport after that Robbie Lawler fight, I would never have said a negative word about him. I mean, that says, that says, far deep down the hell rabbit hole you can go in a fight right and, and yeah. <laughs> but i don't think he wants to go there anymore and, and he didn't need to go let's say there to beat cooper but he needed to go you know he needed to go in that direction i don't think that's in him to do that anymore and so i'm not here with the same concern that i was after the john fitch fight where I'm like, look, if you don't want to be in here anymore, don't be in here because it's going to end badly. It's going to end destructively for you. I still think he's technically strong to avoid really bad situations. But, you know, we there's enough signs now when we look back. I mean, I, I'm still kind of sore about that Lima rematch. Remember that, Rashad, in the finals of the Welterweight World Grand Prix under the Bellator yeah. banner? I, I just didn't see a Rory who was willing to do what it took to win. And I think we... I don't want to say we saw that again because Cooper was so dominant, but... We kind of saw that again, Rashad. I, you know, I don't. I'm not telling Rory to go away. He's still really damn good, but 
it, it's not the same man anymore. It's not the same dra- or Red King or whatever the hell we're supposed to call him. Well, not I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because it's like this. You know, in order to really go to that place, you have to be willing to to burn the boats and there's no going back to where you just were. You know, you're willing to just say, you know what, if if I if this is my last stance, then I want it to look like this. And you really lean into that. But when you start to experience life and start to have life outside of fighting and not putting fighting on that pedestal as you once did, you know, then it gets really hard to just really put all your cards in it because you know all your cards are not in it. You know that you have all these other options outside of fighting and you know that you can apply yourself in other areas and you know that this is hard. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, yo, this is a hard way to make a living. And once you start thinking like that and once you start like really being like, you know, do I really want to, do I really want to go there? It's, it's a, it's a wrap because the guy across from you is willing to go there and, And uh, go ahead. And it's easier, obviously, you know, I want to be respectful. It's easier for you, somebody who's been there to say that than, than Keyboard Warrior BC here who's saying, well, I don't think this guy's willing to die anymore. I mean, you know, who the hell am I? But to be objective, I don't. And, and you know, maybe that is a way to look at what, you know, take a closer look after this fight, what he's doing, why he's still here, what he really wants out of it. Because this sport's too dangerous to come in here. Rashad, it's weird. Some some fighters are just businessmen who are here for the opportunity. Some fighters just love to freaking fight. There are some who carry a legitimate martial artist mindset that this is no different than having a local Taekwondo tournament, you know? And but I think this game's too dangerous to be only that. You know, you you got to be you got to be willing, able and ready to to for this to take some dark hard turns and and if you're not then then maybe you shouldn't. So it's a tough spot to be in. He's still really, really damn good. But the story here is Ray Cooper, a great win. And Rashad, let's talk about where he goes here. I think it's October 27th uh, for this division. Welterweight is the championship round for PFL. I think the PFL uh, playoffs will continue this week, by the way. But Ray Cooper advances to face Magomed Magomed Karimov. And why that is important, as after Magomed Karimov defeated Sabadu Sai by three-round decision, is they fought once before, Rashad, in the 2018 PFL Tournament Championship. That's the last time Ray Cooper has lost. Magomed Karimov has not lost since then. This could be a fairly epic battle, given the wrestling shown by Cooper in this matchup, going in there against a guy straight out of Dagestan, ready ready to, to, to put him on him. Uh, this is a sneaky good fight. Yeah, it is a really good fight. I mean, he's going to really have to... Uh be on his P's and Q's when it comes to everything wrestling, but for the most part, uses wrestling in the reverse, you know, uses wrestling to keep his, hit the fight where he wants to, which is on the feet. You know, he has some really good power uh, and some heavy shots and he stays in a nice low base being a shorter fighter. So he can really unload and land some nice clean shots, but he's got to be able to stay on his feet. He's got to be able to stay out of wrestling trouble because if he's able to stay out of wrestling trouble, then he's not going to chip into that gas tank where he can stand on his feet and strike. The the revival story of all things Clay Collard took an unfortunate turn when he lost a close, very close and disputed decision to Rosh Manfio in the lightweight bracket there. Rashad, Clay Collard had been a fun story going over to top-ranked boxing on ESPN during the pandemic, winning all of those fights when he was the heavy underdog journeyman, and then he brought it to PFL, and he took it out on Anthony Pettis, and he was suddenly looking like the tournament favorite, but a, uh, a good win by Rosh Manfio to survive in advance, but you could make the case that Collard deserved more in that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kyle, Kyle's a tough guy, and his, when he fought uh, Pettis, he showed that he's 
he's got it to the next level. But at the end of the day, that's how competition is. You know, you look good against one guy, you can get yourself ready for one guy. But then the next test with the guy doesn't have the same name, you're not able to bring yourself to that level. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is a fighting and you got to fight the person in front of you. But for the most part, you're always fighting yourself. It's not even about your other person. It's about what you can bring out of yourself. And you're able to bring out of yourself what you're capable of doing. Then it doesn't matter who's standing in front of you. You're going to have the same result. PFL 8 returns just three nights from now. We'll have definitely preview and coverage this week on Morning Combat. Kayla Harrison in the main event in her women's lightweight semifinal bout against uh, Jenna Fabian. So it should be a good one as well. Look, Rashad, I'm down for PFL. I've said that many times this year. They won me over. They, they've made me a fan. I like the some elements they do. Uh, you always get Luke Thomas on the show every week telling you, drop the stats already, all right? I don't care that this guy throws a punch eight miles per hour, and I, I don't disagree with that. The one thing I will say, love the announced team and have been saying that all year. They Really, fantastic. Randy Couture, uh, 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 Kenny Florian, and uh, who's the fighter turned play-by-play guy? I can never re- remember his name, Rashad. Oh, I forget his name, too. I forget his name, we're, too. We're um, killing this guy. He's great. Jason uh, something. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, you know what I don't like? Let's not pump the fight noise in anymore, okay? It sounds like there's like a, you know, like a semi truck backing up in the background. Like, like, I know there's no fans. Or like, it's what, I, what I like is the camera angles. The camera angles they just bring a different kind of feel to uh, to the whole fight. You know, I really like the way that they they have the cameras where you kind of like looking at eye level with the fighters. That sometimes it kind of feels like you're in a cage with them. Yeah, good stuff right there. They're, they're, they're trying some new weird things. you got the regular season playoffs and championships, and we'll see it continue to roll on. Rashad, that's MMA for now. Let's get back into the box a little bit because it was a loaded weekend for boxing. And Rashad, we got to talk about what was what it was, and that was a stinker Saturday night on Showtime in a very important <laughs> title fight at 118 pounds when Filipino slugger John Riel Casimiro brought in his WBO belt against 40-year-old former junior welter, I'm sorry, junior featherweight unified champion and my boy Guillermo Rigondeau. And Rashad, the reason why I sound a little downtrodden here is the two combined to set a CompuBox record. <laughs> For the least amount of attempted and landed punches over 12 rounds. From that standpoint, it was brutal. But here's a few deals here. Here's the deal. Dude, that's who Guillermo Rigondeau is. That's who he's always been. The two-time Cuban Olympic gold medalist has burnt bridges with promoters and networks every step of the way. But I am here to give him a few, few of those flowers and say at 40... He cut down in weight to go down to 118. He's still world-class and elite. Had he won this, you know, he, there could have been a Donaire rematch unification. There could have been Naoa Inoue. But Rashad, this fight, for as weird and, and, and dull as it played out, there was some somewhat controversial scorecards here. A split decision win for Casemiro. Nine rounds to three on one card for John Riel. I believe it was seven rounds to five on the other. And then the third judge had it in favor of Rigondeau in the 7-5 territory. I've been taking hell on Twitter for about 48 hours because I scored it (laughs) 10 rounds to two for Rigondeau. Why? Am I some Rigondeau super fan? Well, I've been one of the rare guys holding the flag on top of the mountain throughout his career saying... You know, this is art, and sometimes we're not enjoying it or witnessing it. Rashad, there are there's a scoring criteria on how fights should be scored, and it's really hard for me to come on this show and defend a guy who's so hard to defend in Rigondeau. It's like being the mandated, court-appointed, uh, 
lawyer for somebody on death row, right? Like, nobody, you know, everybody who saw this fight saw the scorecards and were like, good riddance, get Rigo off my screen. But Rashad, you score boxing rounds a little different than MMA, where MMA is damage heavy all the time. And boxing, the scoring criteria includes defense, ring generalship, clean and effective punching. I didn't see Casemiro do any of this. Did Regal run far too much? Yes. But that's what he is and who he does. I thought Rigondeaux landed the cleaner shots. I thought he dictated the terms of this completely. I thought he confused and made Casemiro look look pretty awful. And I also thought Casemiro was afraid to go after him because of how hard Rigondeaux hits at 118. Rashad, am I going to be that guy standing out, you know, on the soapbox with the sign and everybody spits on me? I mean... I thought Rigondeaux got robbed. I'm going to be straight up honest. And I think that I felt like this was the continuation of this sport from guys like Dan Raphael through whomever to just be like, enough with this guy. Get this style off my screen. I don't want this guy on there anymore. And if that's where you stand, that's fine. But we've seen, um, you know, basketball teams hold the ball during the shot clock to try to win a weird way, right? There's different ways to win fights. We've seen John Fitch have a great career. This was a John Fitch-like performance in boxing, and I'm here to say that I saw one guy was better than the other, and it didn't, and he didn't get his hand raised. You know, I, I agree with a lot what you said. I thought that Rigondeaux fought a great fight. It was a Rigondeaux fight, like you said. You know, to me, the true mastery in the Rigondeaux performance was the fact that um, the angles in which he was able to take you know, off of that lead hand. He was able to really set a nice trap and really get off the center line on multiple occasions, either whether he was going right or he was going left. He really just kept uh, Casemiro really confused on which way he was going to do. And the thing that made Rigondeaux so effective to me was the fact that he kept setting these traps. And then once uh, Casemiro would, would come in, he would land that left hand pretty, pretty solid. And that kept Casemiro kind of on the outside and at some point almost baiting you know, Rigondeaux to come in and really uh, shutting down his 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 press his pressure just to try to turn the turn the tides a bit to get Rigondeaux to try to press him. But you know, I think the the biggest thing that Casemiro did wrong was he didn't utilize that jab hand enough. Yes. You know, he he that that jab hand was almost it just wasn't wasn't effective enough. He'd throw it, but every single thing that he was throwing with that lead hand. It was too hard. And because it was too hard, it was a hook. You know, uh, Rigondeaux seen it and he'll get out of the way and catch him with a check hook every single time. So what Casemiro needed to do was he just needed to kind of just use a jab like Ugas used. Ugas has a jab where he kind of throws it and then he throws two in a row, but he keeps it out there. He keeps it extended. And it's not so much on the first one, but it's the second or third one that usually catches the opponent. And, and, and if uh, Casemiro was able to do that against Rigondeau, then he would have been able to better uh, tell where he was going. You know, if he throws one and then he gets a beat on Rigondeau where he's going, then he's able to then throw another shot where he anticipates Rigondeau being. But he didn't do that. He just kind of was chasing the whole night and really almost walking into the traps of Rigondeaux. So I, I do believe that it, it was it, it was close. It was a lot closer than the scorecards would say. And, and I do, you know, I, I was watching Rigondeaux and just at awe at his defense. You know, it was kind of like Sweet Pea Parnell Whitaker, the way that he moves. And at 42 years old, to be able to move like that, you know, because your legs are the first thing to go. 
The legs are the first thing to go as an older fighter, but you know, to have his legs the way that he was able to move him, to be able to just completely make his opponent miss and just not be there for the counter shot was very impressive. Um, I, I, I honestly got, I was very well entertained by the fight because as you see the 11th and the 12th round, the trap was sprung. Rigodal was able to land in bigger shots the last two rounds. And it was because Casemiro was getting very frustrated and just kind of walking in and getting caught with that straight left. Yeah. Look, look, I'm not trying to say that this was, you know, for everybody, right? This was like, like, you know, Luke loves ADCC or AD, ACDC, whatever the hell they call that grappling stuff there in Abu Dhabi and all that stuff. And that's great. I can't watch that stuff. To some people, they can't watch this stuff. But I agree with you. I watched this fight. I don't want to say enthralled, but I saw the technical theater placing. It was a master class hit and not get hit performance from Rigandau, and he was frustrating the crap out of Casemiro. And I felt the onus was on Casemiro to 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 take to to not take a chance, not rely on the judges, and instead to to go after it. Rashad, you said something key. He wasn't at least putting that jab out there, even if he wasn't hitting. You know what that difference is? I was ringside when I got the poster when when Rigandau beat Nonino Donaire in 2013. Radio City Music Hall was the showdown unification bout at 122. And what Donaire did to stay in that fight when he was also getting schooled was at the very least come forward and constantly keep that jab going. Mm-hmm. That at least gives you a case to say, look, this guy in front of me, he's running. He's not engaging. The argument here isn't should Rigandau throw more punches. Of course he should, right? Of course he's taking far too many chances that the judges won't appreciate his art or they're just sick of him and they want him to go. But I don't know, man. I I saw Casemiro just not willing to do anything because although Casemiro had a great first round in which you could argue he should have been had a knockdown scored even though I thought he hit Rigo late on the ground – after that first round, I you know I didn't see him biting down and going after it, and it was brilliant what Rigandau did. And this is a great division, and it's unfortunate for Showtime from a entertainment standpoint that Rigandau laid an egg like that. And Rashad, I mean, even after he beat Donaire, his his promoter then Bob Arum was in the you know afterwards. I was there with the media going, "How am I going to sell this guy?" Like instead of playing up that we've got someone special here, he's like, "How am I going to sell him?" But again, I can only defend Rigo so much. They gave him a showcase after that against Joseph Beckwell. I was there in Atlantic City, and he did the same crap. Did nothing. He had a comeback opportunity on the Cotto Canelo pay-per-view undercard in 2015, and he crapped the bed again. I'm going to give him his credit at 40 to show the legs that he did, to show the style that he did. He's just never been an advocate in the right way for his own career, commercially or now at this point, to like leave no doubt on the scorecards. I'm not saying here that, you know he can go pick it outside the WBO offices. It's his fault he lost this fight. I just think that if you look at the letter of the law and how you score boxing, there were some things he did that were masterful, and I don't know how those judges gave Casemiro all those rounds for ineffective aggression one after another. And Because, you know, the game is hit and not get hit. We've seen Floyd Mayweather do that, and... Rigandau did that beautifully. I don't know if he's going to get another opportunity on big time TV. You can argue with this kind of style that he doesn't deserve it. You can definitely argue that. But I saw something very artsy on Saturday night. I want to give Rigo the props. I'd still love to see him in a rematch against Donaire. It's it. Who knows where it goes from here, Rashad? But letter of the law. It, it feels good to say the challenger needs to take the title from the champion. But that's not how you score fights. You score fights ten nine round by round, right? So yeah. you know you could say tie goes to the runner. But it's up to the umpire to call. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is at the end of the day. No, 100%. You know, one thing I, I felt that Rigondeaux could have done, uh, you know, to, to really 
uh, added to the fact that he was moving to get out of the way. It's like when, whenever you move, whenever you're evading a fighter, right? You're making a fighter reset his feet. And that's why you move in the first place because you can make the guy reset his feet. But you have to anticipate the guy resetting his feet. And then that's when you come with your shots after you made the fighter reset his feet. So after Rigondeaux moved to the position and then he then he has an opponent chasing him, at that point, that's when he's supposed to lead with another combination or a shot. But Rigondeaux very, very rarely did that. But when he did... He was able to, you know, to land that nice left effectively. And I think if he implemented more of that, then it would be no question in our minds or the judges' minds who was really leading the dance. But it really gets hard to tell who's leading the dance when you're just moving and evading and then not striking after you evade. Yeah, and keep keep bringing the hate to me on Twitter. How could you how could you defend a runner? Well, there were some other nuances going on. Maybe you can watch a little more box and get that. Uh, where there was no uh, nuances, Rashad, we saw action on Saturday night. Uh, DeZone brought it to us from Texas. Rising, unbeaten welterweight Virgil Ortiz Jr. improved to 18-0 with 18 KOs in the biggest step-up performance of his career. It took place at the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. Rashad, I'm not going to ever try to pronounce Mean Machine's real name, although he is my Lithuanian brother and their Egidus Kavliowskis. Close, right? Close, close, close. But I will say this. Uh, mean Machine, as he did when he dropped Bud Crawford in that title loss, he brought the pain early. He rocked Ortiz in round two with a big uppercut. You could argue he had deserved a knockdown there. But Ortiz weathered the storm like the truly great fighters do. Rashad, I don't know if Virgil Ortiz will end up becoming a truly great fighter, but this 23-year-old showed us something big time on Saturday in terms of heart and adjusting. He went on to drop Mean Machine five times, including four times in round eight to get the TKO win. Uh, I was out of my seat. It was that impressive. We got a big time player at 147. Tell me, t- tell me I'm lying, Rashad. No, you're not lying at all. I mean, when Kavalaskis came out and he caught Ortiz and dropped him in the second round, or it looked like he dropped him in the second round, it looked like it was going to be a long night for Ortiz, you know. But Ortiz was buttoned up, and his defense is tight. You know, he has a nice high guard, and he kind of reminds me of that 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 Tito Trinidad back in the day with that high guard and the way yes. he bounces and he comes forward. You know, he kind of reminded me of that. But I mean, his hands up high, his defense was sound, and the pressure was consistent. No matter what Kavalaskas threw at him, the pressure was consistent, and you've seen that pressure being consistent and the power and the punching increase as a fight went on. And as you've seen, Kavalasas really just couldn't take it after a while because the return became so so fast because um, Ortiz keeps his hands up so high and there's nothing for him to return a shot. And when you're playing that game with a guy who keeps his hands up so tight, if you're not fresh, then you're going to start finding yourself getting caught at the end of everything that you throw. And then it's going to make you not want to throw. And then because you're not throwing, then your opponent is going to get off. In the case, Ortiz was able to get off and just pretty much just have his way with Kavalaskis after he melted him down with just great pressure and great defense. I mean, Ortiz looks to be the real deal. And these are the type of challenges you want to see young fighters have to test, pass, excuse me, when they do face adversity. I mean, Rashad, this was legitimate adversity where we were like, oh, man, maybe he's not for real. Mean Machine came in in top shape. He was built like a brick shithouse. He brought the power. He had great technique. But to your point, Ortiz's jab was so solid. He's a two-handed puncher and finisher. He goes to the body so well to show us the ability to clear your head, clear those cobwebs, 
and get back in on track and do what you have to do. Rashad, there is a new generation of fighters, and this is so damn imp- uh, refreshing right now, from Ryan Garcia to Gervonta Davis to, to now Virgil Ortiz, guys who are going after it. What do I mean by that? Maybe there was a lot of fighters who were trying to emulate Floyd. You can't emulate Floyd, right? Nobody's as defensively slick as him. Nobody's as great of a businessman as him. But we're seeing a lot of, during the tail end of the Floyd era, fighters who want to become a star and then take easy matchups. And then, you know, that's why I'm praising what Manny Pacquiao is doing right now. Not everybody wants to go after it. These new young guys, Rashad, they want smoke, bro. This this reminds me of the of that spirit that really hasn't been there since the late '90s, right? When we had, you know, De La Hoya and Trinidad and Mosley and Winky Wright and and Vernon Forrest in the welterweight, you know, or 154 in that welterweight there. Uh, Fernando Vargas. These were guys who went after it. Virgil Ortiz went after it in this fight, and he had the technical know-how to get through the storm, but he had balls, man. He's got huevos. Golden Boy has a true, legitimate future star. The only question is, can they get him into those big fights? He called out everybody. There's some hope that maybe he could fight Terrence Crawford, but Rashad, we know Terrence Crawford has a purse bid upcoming that the WBO ordered to potentially face Sean Porter in what could be a fantastic pay-per-view if that happens later this fall. Either way... I think that Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya and company, they're matching Virgil Ortiz the right way. He beat Mohooker. Now he beat a tough out in Mean Machine. Uh, this, watch this guy. Keep an eye on this guy. 18-0, 18 KOs. Uh, Going to be something very special. And, then, and it doesn't hurt Rashad that he could talk a little bit. Good-looking guy, Mexican-American. It's all there. It's all there. He's got that, he's got that Mexican-American uh, mentality, too, when it comes to fighting. He comes and he brings that pressure forward and, you know, just – just is just relentless. And, you know, it, it's good to see because you said it's like a throwback to the 80s and 90s where, where boxing was boxing. I mean, and, and, and here's the thing, you know, he's a he's a boxer that can fight. And when I say that, I mean this, you know, you a lot, you sometimes you watch a box, box, you watch a boxing match, but you don't see the fight. Case in point, Rigondeaux, right? You don't see the fight. You don't see the spots where emotion is leading the way, where the holes are open, where you see a guy that's going to swing a punch just because he got caught with a good punch. You know, that's when the fight comes out of you, when you kind of swinging in there, swinging from hell to try to hit your opponent. That's when I, that's when the fight comes out of you. And and with Ortiz, he fights good when he's in there brawling and with the fight, but he also fights very good from a boxing standpoint and he can go interchangeably with those styles. And you've seen it in the fight after he got dropped in the second round, he came back and he won that second round. And then he dropped, uh, he dropped, he, he dropped his opponent in the third round. So he's, he, 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 he fights with that emotion. And that's what we need to see because that's what makes boxing fun to watch. When you see guys just kind of completely come unglued and throw all the technique out the window to start throwing bombs from hell. Very well said. And Rashad, you and I do a fun little spinoff series on MK Storytime with Sugar Rashad where we look back at the biggest fights of your career. What do you think was the fight in your career that that's sort of most similar to, to this period in Ortiz's life where we know that there's something there, but we need to see it. We need to see it tested. Was it was it the Bisping fight? What would you sort of circle when you look back at your run? I would I would say I would say maybe the Bisping fight, maybe the Sean Salmon fight, where it was kind of like you know I'm looking to kind of show show what I can do, and, and it's a big proving ground of what I can do on the next level. But I mean, you know, you got to be able to fight and, and bring the fight from for more than just a technical aspect, because at the end of the day, that's what the fans are feeling. They feel the emotion. You know, emotion is something that translates 
without even anybody saying anything, you see it, you know, and when you see it, it just strikes you. It's like, ooh, that just gave me a feeling. I just can't explain. I got goosebumps. You know, that's what you want to see in a fight. And these guys, they, they got it. You know, these these younger guys, like you said, they, they really yeah. want to fight like that. There's a lot of things that hurt boxing these days from the best not fighting the best, promotional network wars, uh, bad judging, corrupt. Like, oh, there's a lot of bad stuff. Do you know what fixes a lot of that bad stuff? When when they schedule a big fight and the two fighters go out there and they fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I miss that feeling. That's why pay-per-views like Canelo Golovkin were so special, right? Guys went after it, you know, on the biggest level. So hopefully we're going to continue to see more of that. To close, uh, Rashad, on the box from the weekend, uh, had to shout out on the ESPN undercard. This could be a developing story from the standpoint of just commercial appeal. The grandson of the late legend, the greatest, Muhammad Ali, Nico Ali Walsh, a 21-year-old middleweight, made his pro debut. We're not trying to say he went in there against uh, <laughs> against a future champion. He was in there against uh maybe a future uber driver and jordan weeks uh it took just one round for ali walsh to get the victory but with flava flave in his corner wearing the 1960 everlast trunks that were made for his late grandfather i don't know rashad it kind of felt good i feel like top rank which signed him and espn has got something here at least to, to gauge people's interest moving forward i think so as well i, I you know I've, I've watched a guy i watched him a couple of times uh, and, and I, and I kind of like the way that he fights. You know, he kind of reminds me of, in a sense, of his grandfather. The way he throws that jab right hand, it kind of reminds me because the way he does it, he throws it and he kind of pulls the guy into him. He kind of pulls the guy into him and then that right hand comes right after. And Ali had a really good job, I mean, re- really good uh, way of bringing guys into him with that jab, calling him with that jab. And then when they come back, he'll lean back and then he'll hit him with that overhand right or that right hand that Ali was known for. So his nephew, I mean, his uh, grandson, he has that. He has that. And, you know, with the support, with the hype behind them, they know they got a star. You know, you got guys like, you know, the Flavor Flav, follow him. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and Flavor is a hype man. I mean, look what he did for Public Enemy. Imagine what he can do for Ali. <laughs> I love it. Flavor Flav in the post fight interview was like taking credit for everything too. It was great. He's like, my godson, I taught him everything. Um, Rashad, so many times, whether it's the son or, you know, grandson of a legend, I mean, the pressure on these guys in any sport to live up to that is ridiculous. And I don't know, dude, I don't know if Nico Ali Walsh is going to be a fighter. Bob Aaron was even like, I don't know, man. We're going to see, right? You know, I, I don't know if, if if one day they cash him out to a YouTuber. Who knows? But I will say I'm interested. He seems like a good kid. He grew up in Las Vegas. His mother is is uh, is the daughter of Muhammad Ali. And, you know, he grew up with a great relationship with his grandfather. Um, it's it's fun. It's fun to see the 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 legacy carry on like that. I mean, it, do, it doesn't always end well. It's rare that a Floyd Mayweather Jr. will be better than his great father and uncle ever were in a, in a boxing family. But, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Maybe Rashad Evans Jr. one day is going to come out here and take over the MMA world. Who knows? Maybe. Right? <laughs> Who knows? Is there a Rashad Jr.? There is a Rashad Jr., yeah. How old is He's he? 14. Ah, all right. He's a wrestler, too. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Interesting. We can't keep note. Keep note of that for the future. All right, Rashad. Uh, I mentioned that we haven't done a live show in a week, so there are a lot of lingering news stories. I'd like to get your thirty second or more take on some of these. Let's hit some quick hitters from around the horn. Rashad, tell me what the hell this is. The great Habib Nurmagomedov, who retired as your unbeaten UFC lightweight champion, has signed a deal with third tier Russian soccer team 
FC Legion Dynamo. Is this what we think it is? Is he going to play like like Usain Bolt did? Is he going like Chad Johnson did? Is he going to play soccer on the side? I don't know. Honestly speaking, when I watch Habib play any kind of soccer or anything like that, it's usually like Dagestani style where they're able to wrestle or incorporate what they do. You know <laughs> yeah, you see him play basketball? They do yeah, like full court like, wrestling. Yeah. yeah, it's great. So it's the same thing when they do soccer. It's like full contact soccer. So I'm not sure how it's going to pan out with him doing soccer. But I mean... He's he's from you know he's from that part of the world so you know they're all crazy about fuji ball they know how to be able to move the ball around really well and he can kick it but I mean to, to play at that level I mean here's the thing about it there's going to be dedication that the 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 new coach may not be able to handle you know what I'm saying because I mean right now he he's up for coach of the year with all the wins that he's been able to generate with his talent that he has underneath him so I'm not sure if there's going to be enough time. Maybe they should hire Ted Lasso as new coach. Um, it sounds like a marketing ploy, Rashad, similar to when Manny Pacquiao bought bought a team in the Filipino Basketball League and was suddenly like player, coach, owner, general manager. You know, it's like, right. <laughs> all right, let's let Manny go in and shoot his couple of jumpers and, 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 you know, kiss the ring on the way out. I don't know if, if this is real competitive soccer for Habib or what, but we'll see what happens. Uh, a real fight that we were all hoping for, Rashad, this November actually at Madison Square Garden Looks like it's going to be delayed. The COVID outbreak worldwide, but specifically in the Oceanic region, has likely pushed the rematch for the middleweight championship. Israel Adesanya, Robert Whitaker, too, from this fall to maybe sometime in 2022. Rashad, your reaction? I've got to admit, you, i got to guess you're disappointed like I am, but is there any long-term things here, or do we just, you know, wait till we see it again? I mean, I, I mean, it's unfortunate for the most part, but I think that this, this blow, this... I guess the, the the postponement, I think it errs in the favor of Robert Whitaker, you know, more chance to kind of allow himself to just completely, you know, get the game down of Israel and really kind of, you know, work out any rough patches that he may have with the champion, you know, based on their, their, their last fight. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard to even say when it's going to happen with just everything that's happening, you know, with, with the different variants and everything else that surrounds COVID. So, you know, who knows when this is going to be because, you know, it, it could be a postponement to 2022, but then they may not be able to get over here to, you know, to even to even fight, just depending on what uh, countries, if they go on lockdown, if there's another lockdown due to the variants that may happen this fall. So it's uh, who knows when this fight may happen, to be honest. Yeah, hopefully we can see that at some point in 2022. It doesn't look like the UFC is going to be able to make it down, you know, down under anytime soon. You have to wonder, like, as UFC, and we've heard Dana said it, if, if the COVID numbers get really bad moving forward, we may just see them in like the Apex and maybe Texas here, Tai Chi Palace here, Abu Dhabi here, maybe throw in a Florida. But, you know, I, I hope we don't get that. I, I can't get it. We can't lock down again, Rashad. We can't do it. We can't. We can't. Do it, no. We can't. We can't, we can't, we can't we do can. it, bro. I need these fights like I need these armpit <laughs> stains. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's keep it going here, Rashad. Uh, the September 11th scheduled Showtime Super Bantamweight Boxing Unification bout, which is a great one, by the way, when Brandon Figueroa faces Stephen Fulton Jr. That has officially been moved to Saturday night, September 18th. It'll still take place in Las Vegas. But the hook here, Rashad, is Showtime's going to give us a full night, Combat Sports Night in America, I think I want to call it here. It's going to start with that Figueroa-Fulton card, Showtime Championship Boxing, September 18th. And as soon as that card ends from San Jose, Bellator will have a card live on Showtime. And your main event, the official Bellator MMA debut of Yoel Romero 
against former light heavyweight champion Phil Davis. Your thoughts on this matchmaking from Scotty Cox and company? I mean, I think it's phenomenal. First of all, the, the boxing match is going to be phenomenal because you have two fighters cut from that cloth like you were talking about of the 80s and 90s, late, uh, late 90s fighters where they would just go in there and they would brawl. You know, you have Figueroa who goes and fights at a pace that's unrealistic going for the body and you have Fulton who can do the same. So that fight's going to deliver on all levels. But then you have, I mean, Mr. Wonderful and Yoel Romero. I mean, I'm so excited to see your Yoel Romero fight. It, it, it's 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 insane at this point, you know, because I'm a huge Romero fan. I'm not fans of many fighters, but I'm a huge Romero fan, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do in the Bellator arena, especially against a you know very tough Phil Davis, who who's game against anybody. You know, Phil yeah, Phil is, is only going to lose by the slightest margin, so it's it's, it's going to be a great fight. I mean, jo- Yoel's not getting any younger. Obviously, he's, he's a a marvel, a freak of nature in his you know mid forties now. He had that eye setback which pulled him out of the rumble car, or, or the rumble fight in the Grand Prix tournament. But you know, technically, this is a tough fight. He's moving up in weight to light heavyweight. Phil Davis still has it. We saw that despite his loss to Ryan Bader. Um, can wrestle. Can can be a technical striker. This should be a very... I mean, who's wrestling is going to have the advantage? Will this, will this end up being a war on the feet because of it? it it's interesting. It's going to be on the feet. You know, Doc. Because, listen, Romero's not taking anybody down. I can't remember one fight where he's actually uses wrestling like how you would think that somebody at that level would use his wrestling. But, I mean, if it does go to the wrestling... Romero should be able to to win, but I mean, Phil Davis is the funkiest guy that you can wrestle against. So, who even knows in that department? Especially, yes. you know, he's 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 coming into form. You know, I think that this Phil Davis is a different Phil Davis in the fact that he's believing in himself more than he ever has before. Let me dead wrong myself. Although Davis did fight Bader multiple times, it was the Nemkov fight I was referring to where Phil Davis lost. He's had two very close fights with uh, Vadim Nemkov there. Uh, Rashad, let's close it out with this. Uh, Twitter wars are what they are, but sometimes they tell us things. The recent one between Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz has been interesting. Nate Diaz tweeting out, I, I knew you was a pussy, bitch. That's 2-0, <laughs> referencing the time Poirier pulled out of their proposed first fight. And now, you know the Diaz's. If you pull out against them or don't show up, they win. D- Dustin the Diamond came back with, they're lying and you're getting played. There was more back and forth. Conor McGregor jumped in. But I got to ask you what this means. I thought Dustin Poirier defeating Conor McGregor a second time was going to finally set up him fighting for the real title, getting his second crack at it against defending champion Charles Oliveira. Does this suggest to you that we could be seeing Poirier Diaz instead? And would you be okay with that? What the hell does this mean? That's exactly what it means. It means definitely that we can see Poirier and Diaz next. Because listen, Poirier figured out something very, very smart in his two matchups with Conor McGregor. It's about the money, baby. It's all about the money. You know what I'm saying? So he's willing to forego being a champion or just put that on the back burner because he know with these blockbuster pay-per-views, he can get the money to keep him up at a certain level, you know, getting paid at a certain level. Because when you get that paycheck from McGregor, it's hard to just take a normal paycheck fighting another guy. You want to fight another blockbuster fight where you're going to have a huge payday as well. And I don't mind Poirier doing it because at the end of the day, I still believe he's the best guy and one of the best guys in the division. And, I mean, truthfully speaking, the title's going to be there. And I think he can go and beat Diaz without burning too much tread off his tires 
and then still go and compete for a belt. But then at the same time, Diaz is not an easy out, as Leon Edwards found out. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what Diaz we got coming out next time, being the fact that he, you know, is not coming off such a long break. So it would be interesting in that capacity, but my money would still be on Poirier. And I don't think it would take too much miles off him to do this fight, make a lot of money, and then go for the belt. Be interesting, but if they would do it at welterweight, we've had Diaz saying, "I'll fight you at middleweight, whatever." Let's just do it. Uh, it's, I mean, maybe this is me at this point because Poirier's securing his legacy in his own way, right? He's becoming a bigger star by going after these type of matchups. He's making a whole crap ton of money, which you know, in this grind in this game, once you can get to that one percent level, you don't want to leave it. So I get that, and there's many ways to lose against Charlie Olives. I get that too. I just never want to see this guy walk away from the sport one day, Rashad, without rightfully holding that full title. I say that every morning combat episode in which Poirier's name comes up, and if he makes the second straight decision to go in the other direction, I mean, what if he one day, you know, comes back around and then loses? It it would be interesting. Yes, he was interim champion. Yes, he fought once for the full belt, and, you know, nobody beat Habib, so, you know, you can't take too much away from him, although... Justin Gaethje was one leg kick away from putting Habib in peril. Let's never forget that, Rashad, okay? Please please never forget that, all right? Please, okay? Thank you. But, hey, I'm not going to tell Poirier what to do. I think the UFC would go for this. I do. Even though it's basically saying your best lightweight is not fighting for the lightweight title. I think they would go for this. They love they love money. We all love money, Rashad, all right? Let's sell our souls for it. Okay. Uh, Rashad, that's our five topics for the week in which, you know, we ask each other questions, but luckily we have a segment every Monday where the fans ask us questions, and it is called DMs from Donks. Hee-haw! Hee-haw! <laughs> Just a reminder, if you're wondering, how do I get my question answered every Sunday night on the Morning Combat Instagram channel? We put out the post, you respond to it. If we pick your question, you show up right there. There are our social handles below. You can follow us, and of course, the email address, morningcombat at gmail.com for Wednesday fan subs, Friday dead wrong, all that good stuff. All right, Rashad, let's hit it from the people. We start with at Merrick3R8. Make the case for or against Gegard Musasi being the best fighter to have never won a UFC belt. It's an interesting debate based on what we talked about earlier in the show, Rashad. Uh, I call it the bridesmaids list, right? It used to include Michael Bisping, but he broke out of that jail. Does Gegard have a, a, a you know a stake against guys like Dan Henderson, Uriah Faber, Joseph Benavides, great fighters who have never held up that UFC title? Absolutely. I think he, he definitely... You know, can go in that category. I mean, he beat Chris Wyden, Chris Wyman, beat a Tiago. Uh, um, was it t- t- uh, Santos? Mujeta, yeah, Mujeta. Yeah. Um, he he's beat a lot of tough guys in the UFC, and just you know, and really was a tough contender in the UFC. But just when he was there, I mean, it was just you know didn't didn't really get in that position to fight for the belt. But I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's definitely one of the fighters. You know, when I think of amazing fighters who have never held the belt in the UFC, he's one of those guys. And when you look, when it's all said and done and you look at his resume, you know, his maybe at the time when he retires, maybe, you know, 60 or 70 something fights. You're like, dang, this guy was never UFC champion, but he's in champion all these other organizations. Yeah, you're definitely going to think that because almost every organization that he was in, he was a champion. So he's definitely on that list. 
Uh, obviously, this debate is, is of fighters who have fought in the UFC but never won the UFC title. That's why Fedor or even a Patricio Pitbull is not in this specific debate. Uh, Dan Henderson still, to me, might be number one. I mean, he came pretty damn close. He gave a good effort to Anderson Silva for the middleweight title, and then in that rematch with Bisping, good God, he almost shocked the world twice in that fight at age 46, whether he deserved to have been in that or not. Um, who are we missing, Rashad, of... of you, I, I put Faber in there. He never won the, the. He was the WEC champion. Never won the UFC strap. Are we missing anybody huge? Poirier, Dustin Poirier, right? Dustin Poirier, yeah, Dustin yeah. Poirier is one. Yeah, uh, right, right at the top. Yeah, there. that's all I can think of right now. Lance Evans, you know. <laughs> Lance Evans, <laughs> tough alumni, yeah. right? Tough alumni, yeah. Tough yep, alumni. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Let's keep it going. This is from at CLP film. They want to know, is Randy Couture the best fighter ever with a quote, bad record? Now, what does bad record mean? It basically means you've taken some losses in MMA. Losses are more forgiving than in boxing, where it's rare. Somebody with multiple, let's say 10 losses goes on to win a world title. It's happened, but it's rare. Uh, Rashad, Randy Couture was 19 and 11. Would you say he's the best fighter of all time with a quote unquote bad record? Um, yeah, I can say that. I mean, yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can say that. Yeah. I, I think, I think so. If you're looking at records, but I mean, you know, with Randy Couture, uh, the 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 win loss doesn't necessarily truly you know give the story with him just because of the fact that you know even even in the fights like I mean he he was one of those guys that just really set himself apart from everybody by the way that he was able to just grind people out whether in the light heavyweight or the heavyweight division and I think his run at heavyweight really you know, put him on another level when it comes to his legacy, you know, being, you know, when he was able to bump up and beat, you know, those guys at heavyweight that really showed that he was an exceptional talent when he, you know, so I I think so. I I can agree with that. Yeah. I mean, look, part of uh, Couture's mystique as Captain America was the ability to come back from losses and and get huge wins that we didn't think he could, like knocking down Tim Sylvie and all that. So sometimes you got to take those L's to be able to you know, look at Vander Holyfield, right? He was the first heavyweight to win the title three times. You know, he took big losses in his prime, but came back in big ways. And and I think at the end of the day, Rashad, we connect with those guys more, right? I always yeah. said that about Floyd Mayweather. Like, we can't relate to Floyd Mayweather. He's perfect. He's got way more money than we'll ever see. You know what I mean? Like, we never saw that guy take the L and come back, right? It was because, he, you know, to his credit, he was perfect. We can relate to somebody who hits hard times. That's why we love the the comeback story in this American drama called life, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah all right. That's why we want <laughs> uh, Luke to come back from gallbladder pains and me to shake off this... Uh, this black liver that I've got here, Rashad, but uh, I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. Uh, Rashad love to fight underscore two slides in with a boxing question. Can Gary Antonio Russell versus Rashi Warren be next? What's next for each of them? So Rashad, both of these Bantamweights had feature bouts on the main card showtime, the Rigondeaux card Saturday night. Unfortunately for Gary Antonio Russell, who's the brother of Gary Russell Jr., the featherweight champion, and who looks to be very good. His fight uh, was over before it started. 16 seconds in against Emmanuel Rodriguez, there was that awful head clash. Rodriguez busted his nose open and the fight was called off. But big win for Rashi Warren, the former champion at age 34. Just four knockouts on his career ledger. 
He went out there and, and, and sent that man to hell. Damian Vasquez dropped him four times and finished him. I could see them fighting each other again at 118, or sorry, fighting each other after this. Maybe this card, which had three Bantamweight uh, fights on it, was sort of a setup for that. That'd be a very good matchup with Warren being the, the veteran, the southpaw, and you know Russell more of the younger riser at the moment. I do want to give Showtime credit, Rashad. They've already got the 122 division on lockdown. That's why we're seeing that unification between Cool Boy Steph and Brandon Figueroa. But they're doing pretty good things at 118 as well. You know, we saw Casemiro beat Rigondeau. Can we get him against Nonino Donaire next? Neo Anue's out there. I mean, I want to I want to keep seeing big business. I want to see the best face the best. I applaud what Showtime's been able to do there. If the next fight is Warren versus Russell, I'm down with that. What I'm not down with, though, Rashad, and tell me if I'm being ignorant or mean, similar to George Foreman naming all seven or whatever of his sons George, Gary Russell's dad... Gary named all of his boys Gary Russell. Oh no. <laughs> and they're oh, like no. all fighters, dude. <laughs> they're all fighters. There's like Gary uh Russell Jr., Gary Antonio, Gary Antonay Russell. There I mean that's a that's a little much, right? It's it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. I mean, what is the sister name? Uh Gary Gary Rico. Yeah, I don't know Garica. where they went with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. But hey, to each his own. Anytime somebody, you know what I used to do, Rashad? Like you find out like when your cousins name some kids some ridiculous awful. And I'd be like, that's awful. Somebody should tell them. And then you realize you're just being a hater. You're just yeah. being a Karen at that point. You know what? Name your kids whatever the hell you want. You want to name your kids weird names? Go for it. Rashad, you got any weird names in your kids? In my diet, any weird names? I got different names, yeah. Okay, that gives it gives them a unique identity, right? They're all not Absolutely. named Gary. It gives it gives them a, a different, you know, they never hear before. My son his name is Solaris. Yes. Yes. So, like, do we call him Saul? We call him Soul. So Oh Soul, I like that. All right, Soul. all right, all right. Hey, let's keep it rolling here from at I'm actually Ozzy. Wow, is that the real Ozzy sliding in? Is BC the re- the real life Homer Simpson? Rashad, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, BC is something else, man. I don't know if he's a real life Homer Simpson, but he's a he's a character, a hundred percent. I mean, I, you never know what's going to come out of BC's mouth. But that's the fun of working with BC. That's BC says thing. some stuff, and you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> you never know when your career's going to end. Thanks to something I said, it's great. You know, it brings a real edge to the broadcast. But no, I have a much better hairline than Homer Simpson, and hopefully, I'm not. And that. And, a, and a better. Waistline, too. Thank you very much. And and like Billy Hoyle and White Man Can't Jump, I will say it's hard goddamn work making something this pretty look this buffoonish for your (laughs) entertainment, folks. Okay, thank you. There is a method to this madness, or is there? That's for you to figure out more news at 11. We got one more from Sam Lau 8889 as Luke would say, one of the worst handles in social media history. Do you have a favorite Disney Pixar movie? Rashad, I brought up the list mm. of specific Disney Pixar movies to refresh myself. I don't normally go down this lane too often. If Luke was here, he would be shouting out the praises of Coco. Do you and the kids, whether it's Toy Story, A Bug's Life, uh, Monsters, University, Inside Out, any of that? I mean, what, is there a favorite well, what's, in your house? What's, what's on the list? Because, I mean, I know I like a lot of uh, Disney movies. I mean, I've been Cars, watching a lot of them. 1 and 2, The Incredibles. Monsters Inc., Monsters U, uh, A Bug's Life. I said that already. Soul, Luca. I like Soul, Soul, Soul. Named after your son, of course, mm-hmm. right there. I like that. Soul. All right. I'm a big fan of uh, looking at this list quickly. I would say um, 
I don't watch these often. I'm a big Ratatouille fan. I liked Wally. Oh, Those were some good, good. Rat- mm. People are t- our Manich, our producer, saying put some respect on Finding Nemo. Nah, nah, bro, nah, bro. Okay. You ever go on the Finding Nemo ride at Epcot? What a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, step it up. Give me something here, Epcot, please. All right, thank you. Uh, Rashad, do you guys get down with the animated movies like like the Thomases do? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, listen, I, I love it. I love those. I love those uh, Disney animated movies. I, I love them, man. They're um, they're they're high in the Evans house, especially you know with all the kids and everything watching them all the time. So on Saturday, I took the kids and the wife and, and mother-in-law to uh, Jungle Book with The Rock oh, or man. Jungle Cruise, whatever the hell it was called, something with a jungle. Okay, hey, this guy Dwayne Johnson. You know, I don't think he. I think he's like the most unhateable person on this planet. Like he you really want to be like, <laughs> all right, Rock, what do you got here, dude? He's he's entertaining as hell. What are we gonna say negative about him? No, you can't. I mean, he, he's the man when it comes to, you know, those kind of movies. I, I love watching them. Yeah, I, I'll have what he's having. Whatever rocket fuel he's having to, to get uh, that kind of body. Well, That's I mean, what... you know what kind of rocket fuel he's having. That That's the gas right there. That's, That's the, the gas story. all day. All right. That is... Uh... Excuse me, that's a burp right there. Excuse me. Uh, that is your fan submissions. Now, Rashad, I hope you're ready. I hope you buckle up because it gets a little wild in these parts. Ooh. You're a veteran of this. Every Monday, we search the globe, the highs and lows for the good, the bad, the ugly, and the in-between in combat sports, and we show it to you. It's called, Have You Seen This Shit? All right, let's get the. Let me load up some shit. Rashad, are you ready? Because you know what the fans say. The fans say I take it easy on you, okay? The fans say I don't give you the ridiculous. Yeah, give me me the ridiculous. I want to see the ridiculous. All right, let's start in boxing. I did mention Rashi Warren, the former Olympian, despite just four KOs. Rashad, here's the highlight of him sending Damian Vasquez. Woo! Oh, man. Oh, man. He he got hit with the the stagger lee right there. the st- he did the stanky leg, Rashad. What, what do you call leg, that? That 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 right there is uh, that's called the stagger Lee stance. He's just caught with the stagging, just ooh tap dancing. That's that's bad, man. That, yeah, because- Warren went after it in this bout. It's great Jeez. to see a, a, a technician kind of become a slugger. Uh, big time victory right there. Let's see that one more. Oh, oh man, oh. drunk driving, Yo. drunk driving right there. Woo. You had Yikes. too much to drink, sir. All right, let's head over to the zone in Eddie Hearn's backyard. Rashad, get woke if you're not already to unbeaten light heavyweight Joshua Buatzi. This was his toughest test to date. And in round 11, he sent Ricardo Bolotniks, I'm sorry, Ricards Bolotniks oh. to the uh, to the bollocks of hell there with that right hand. Good shit, man. It, it was perfectly measured, too, the way he leisured up and just let it go at the... Man, that's a big right hand. See? That's a big punch right there, man. Look at it, buddy. He didn't want to know. He couldn't even get up after that. Done. His family oh. is from uh, Accra, Ghana, although he was raised in the UK. Oh. Rashad, you know that tiny, that city of Accra, Ghana produces one banger of a fighter after another. And this kid who won a, a silver uh, medal at the Olympics a few years back is looking to be the real deal, Josh Buatzi. So watch that closely. Let's go to the top rank undercard from Tulsa. Carlos Balderas delivering the boom to oh, Fidel man. Cervantes. Oh, man. He was out before he hit the ground. And he almost Ooh. got woke up. Oh man! Oh man! That's... All but, bangers. I mean, look, I look, look. To get up as composed as he did, I mean, that was that that was impressive in itself. But dang, 
Belteris that was a heavy went on shot. to finish him off, but this was the highlight. That short oh, left hook, you're man. right. He was he was already hurt. So right he was there. knocked out, and then when he woke up, he he woke up when he hit his head off the ropes. Crazy. Oof. But that wasn't our best fight of the weekend, Rashad. We go to the Rams-Chargers preseason game for that one. <laughs> Check out Superfan number 99 here. He's ready to take on the whole village by himself, Rashad. Did you see this shit? No, nah, I did not see this shit. Let's see this. You got to be careful talking trash to a whole group of friends because you may get all, all of the smoke, Rashad. I mean, he's a big dude, too. So the big guys are usually the ones that are not the toughest. So he'll be down like, oh, uh, look. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's, tr- it- he's throwing spinning back fists into a group of friends. Oh. Now it's getting dirty. Oh, oh boy. man. Oh, boy. We're going to see but some he's got, yo, He's got good technique, though. He's got good crowd-fighting technique. Oh, oh God. Now he's talking. Oh, it's just a buffet. It's a buffet. Oh, Everybody's God. getting some. It's like the palace brawl. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Somebody my God. save this guy. Jeez. Wow. Well, they, oh, they oh damn, titty. They, they, oh, they're dragging him out of his draw. Look at they're dragging him Look out of his Look at this pants. guy. Look at that crack. <laughs> oh, oh crack kills there, Fat Joe. Okay, oh let's God. get out of here. Wow. wow. Good shit. All right, Rashad, they say I don't challenge you enough. So what do you see when you see this picture, Rashad? Oh, oh my gosh. That's it's just it's just a, a father kissing his daughter. I I don't it is? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, I thought it was somebody else. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I'm yeah. Whoa. Let, let me ask you a question, Rashad. Yes. <laughs> let me, no, those are not. Poor the, baby. Oh, shit. Poor I think we baby. just got canceled. Yeah, poor oh baby indeed. God. All right. All right. Yeah. Hey, let's head on over to the high seas. Rashad, when you got money and champagne and... And bitches, you can do whatever you want. Look at this guy just living. Okay, he's got. Yeah, make it. Yeah, make it rain. You do have to watch your footwork. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh no, my God! How uncoordinated can you be? How uncoordinated can you be? <laughs> it looked like a rap video for a moment, and then it, it turned did. into some shit. Yeah. He, All right, he hey, we're gonna play some sound on here. People hate Luke Thomas's COVID takes. Uh, about vaccines, but maybe this will change their minds, Rashad. Some of y'all are scared to get the COVID vaccine because of what might be in it. When you know damn well you put unwashed dick in your mouth several times. You've done that several times. You've done that several times. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think Rashad... <laughs> what? Oh I think what she's trying God. to say is uh, we need to look in the mirror and address our vaccine concerns first before we share our opinions with others. Okay? Oh, yeah. my gosh. That, I mean, wow. Wow. Unwashed dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some have. Some gave all. We're shot. Yes, they did. All right. Let's keep it going here. Hey, Jake Paul, who's back uh, next weekend in a Showtime pay-per-view on Sunday night against Tyron Woodley, has put out a hit list. Now, if we can zoom in, Rashad, I've seen, uh, okay, Woodley, Canelo, the Diaz's, Kamaru, Timmy Fury. That's supposed to be Tommy, by the way. Conor McGregor, KSI, Gervonta, Logan Paul, question mark. Um, I'm not seeing what? Sugar Rashad Evans on there. Can we get Ali to get you in the sweepstakes here, Rashad? What is going on here? You know what it is? Because he knows he'll get his ass whooped, BC. Listen, you can't convince people to want to sign up for an ass whooping. Oh, shit. Because he, oh, he knows, he knows, he knows, listen, he knows this. He knows he 
pay people off on a list. They'll do the fight the way they want to. But they, he knows it. I'm not going to take a pay. I'm not going to take a dive. And that's what they're avoiding, BC. Wow. Come that's the bigger this. question. Come, come pour a little sugar on yourself, Jake Paul, in the name of love, all right? Okay, because Rashad's still got it. You can make 185 or 190 easy. You'll, you'll be easy. looking jacked. Yeah, easy. easy. Is, is that the weight they're fighting at, 190? Yeah, about that. About one. I think it's 185. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's I can fine. do that. All right. We mentioned Nico Ali Walsh had his pro debut. His godfather is Flavor Flav. Uh, uh, flipping out here at the... Uh, at the weigh-ins, enjoying uh, some Tulsa action. Rashada, you needed you needed a celebrity hype man in your day. Wow, Flavor Flav. I used to roll with Flavor back in the day, man. He'd be like, "Wow, Rashad, let's get it." He used to be like, he used to be out there. But I mean, I did need a hype man. Hype yeah. man just makes everything. Because listen, if you have a good hype man, you don't got to say too much. Actually, I did have one hype man. His name was BZ Hype. He came for the John Jones fight. And uh, he would just talk trash to John Jones in the audience, and I'll just sit there. <laughs> a hype man helps out a lot. It's less you have to say. You once served as a hype man for Mike Tyson on AEW Pro Wrestling. Yeah, Hopefully yeah. we see that come back again. Uh, Rashad, we have a segment on this show called Regional MMA, where anything can happen. You know Regional MMA. People can parachute in from the ceiling. Let's start at Golden Beach Cup MMA. Evgeny Karabat with this combo. It's the calf kick suplex finish. I haven't seen this in my MMA playbook lately, Luke. Or oh Rashad, my excuse me. gosh. Woo. That was dirty. Yeah. Yes, that was that dirty. Was... That was dirty. He spun him with the leg kick and then took advantage of the position that he spun him in. You can't, I mean. Yikes. Wow. Yeah, you you want to get that guy through TSA, fold him up into a suitcase. Well done there. Let's go over to uh, the regional scene. Matt Mooney escaping this ankle lock very creatively. Oh, my gosh. I see it. I'm sorry. Escaping the choke attempt with an ankle lock. Spoiler alert. All right. There we go. <laughs> okay. 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 Let's fight pass. We see it. We see you here. Yeah. He's got the choke. He got, got the choke. It. He got the choke. He got the choke. Oh, you crossed your legs. Don't ever cross your legs. Don't ever cross your legs. Oh, wow. That's don't some, ever cross your legs. That's some Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen shit right there, right? Rescuing victory from the jaws of defeat. Absolutely. I mean, So what did he get him? Did he kind of figure for him there? Yeah. So what he did was the guy crossed his legs in between his crotch. And because he crossed his legs in between his crotch, he used his hip bone, his pelvic bone, his penis, as a lever, and then he uses legs Yikes. to pull back on it. Look at that chin. Is that what, what they would call white belt shit, Rashad? <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of shit you get caught in. You get mad that you got caught in it because your coach yeah. tells you, don't ever cross your feet. Uh, let's go over to Thunder Fight. Here's Nito Makari with a Superman punch off the cage. Somebody get Anthony Pettis on line one. Wow. Yikes. Woo. That was thunderous. That was thunderous and fast. Yeah. You better wow. do that on the regional scene. Nobody does that in real life on, on the on the pro level. So you got to do that on the, wow. uh, on the regional. Wow. And the best part about it was he caught Buddy as he was throwing at the same time. Flawless. Woo. Good shit right there. Let's keep it going. Petru Marari here in some uh, kick, pro kickboxing. Check out this insane spinning back kick. Oh. oh got him. Got him. What? It didn't even hook. It looked like it even hooked just in case he tried to move out of it. Wow. Yikes. Yikes. That's some good shit right wow. there. Wow. It looked like that he might still be. might. If we call him, it looked like he still might be asleep. Yeah. That's spinny shit oh. done right. Wow. 
That's a Hail Mary that got caught right there. All right, I keep calling you Luke. See, people get very upset, Rashad, when when Luke calls you BC. I call you Luke. I'm just so used to it, you know? It's all good. I don't mind being Luke. All right, be Luke. Here we go. Uh, let's see. I, I want you to vote. I'm going to show you two really bad calf kicks. Tell me which one was worse. This was Michael Lombardo Friday night in uh, PFL getting a calf kick KO. Uh, vicious, right? Vicious, vicious. See that one more time. Lombardo was a uh, he was on the undercard at welterweight taking on Kyron Bowen. Just snap that thing, just chopping him right down. But that may not have been the worst calf kick of the week. Let's go to the farm. Let's check out this loser. You dressed like that, Rashad, you might get what you deserve. (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh. Somebody tell him he's got a doogie pile on his right shoulder there after going down. Beautiful calf kick. I'll tell oh you what, my ca- gosh. calf kicks, they change the game, Rashad. They have Yo, in 2020. calf kicks change the game. That, I think no that was doubt. a better calf kick for sure. All right. Hey, you ever seen a grown man with crabs on this segment, Rashad? This might no. be a first. Let's go to the videotape. <laughs> All right. You got to be careful of this. They pull this guy out of the water. Oh, that's, that's painful. That is painful. That's when you wait too long to go to the doctor. You see what happens? See how people crap? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. You hang around the brothel long enough for a shot, you'll, oh you'll get a souvenir. God. Good boy. Oh, oh my boy. Gosh. Somebody people saved that guy. Sick. Hey, we've all been there, right? Right. Wow. Soldiers fill the hotels on the weekends. Oh Anything can happen. Gosh. That's great. Okay. Oh, uh, let's go over to uh, to a wedding. Uh, I love weddings, Rashad. It is wedding season. I went to my cousin's just a week ago. Uh, check out how fired the hell up this bridesmaids get to catch this thing, Rashad. Oh my God! What are they serving at this wedding? I gotta wow. check this out. What are we, yeah, Joel she's... Cola? Yo! Wow, Rashad, you ever been single at a wedding, looking to mingle? You see this type of energy, you go after it, right? Uh- no, you run away from it because you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe I like a little crazy. Yeah, you okay, you run right. away from that energy, like, like, whoa, she, she really wants to. Like, if you're if you're her guy, if you're her boyfriend, and she cut that bouquet and she did that, you might be like, do I really want to do this? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, do I really yeah. want to commit to this? <laughs> uh, they say some people were shot have a has a god complex, but this is how you know you're not Jesus. <laughs> You're not the second coming of the Savior when you attempt to walk on water. Let's see how that worked out for this guy. Watch your step there, oh, sir. No. This is not good. It's starting off bad already. Look at it. Yeah, you take those sandals off. You know, we've all had to navigate the, the channel. Oh, oh God. He's gone. He's gone. No. He's gone. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the third God. death we've ever showed on this segment's Whoa. history. All right. Hey, Rashad, I want to close with a little game. Every time we have you on Have You Seen This Shit, I go on IG and I search the hashtag Rashad Evans and I find some weird picks. So here we go. Here's Rashad Evans hanging out with the Let Me Bang Bro. What's the context behind this one? Can we zoom in? <laughs> where are we at here? Um, Where are we? I think it was at a... Uh... What's bare knuckle, bare knuckle event. Yeah, we had a bare knuckle event, and you can tell it wasn't too long ago because I had the little the starter, the starter locks in there, the little rat titties in my head. Yes, yes. Yeah, you and I'm, you and Rumble, they're hanging out with the uh, with the let, let me. Is that, that Justin Lane? Is that the guy's Justin name? No Lane, split yeah. screen now. No split yeah, see screen. that. I mean, that's when I was thinking about maybe trying it out with the 
the bare knuckle boxing, but Ooh. after I watched that event, I was like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, you don't want that. Mm. No, no, that's that's the uh, that's the that's the bottom of the combat food chain. You don't want yeah, that. Yeah, you don't. You're better than yeah, that. you don't. Mm. Okay, okay, uh, Rashad, let's keep this going. Let's be honest here. Uh, how many of these you still got in your possession? Let's 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 zoom in here on some toys. <laughs> I, I I I got one. I got one. I got one. That's that's little me. My son. Now now here's a funny thing about it. My son has that, and he has one of Chuck Liddell. He breaks the one of me, but he loves the Chuck Liddell. He carries the Chuck Liddell around all the time. That's no like respect. his main toy. No, no respect. Res- no respect. Doesn't he know what you did you, to that? Uh, you made it turn him into dry ice. Yeah, hey, that was- because he loves Chuck Liddell, I can't even show him the Chuck Liddell fight. Like he loves Chuck Liddell so much. I'm like, yeah, Chuck is the man. <laughs> oh, the, oh, you, oh, you think Chuck's your hero? Watch okay watch what daddy did okay yeah that's what i'm talking about right there, i'll let right? i'll let him have chuck as a hero i don't even i don't even try to do the uh i love chuck too yeah we yeah all I'll, chuck. I'll let chuck be it man chuck is the all guy. right what's the context of this it looks like you're at a party luke rockhold's giving you the stink eye johnny hendrix is there what's going on here rashad oh my god i don't want to out you i don't want to get you in trouble here rashad what's going on here a lot a lot up to no good you can tell by the way i'm sitting like there sliding that drink in my mouth no, the no good, no, no good. Sugar, back there. That's it, sugar. That's sugar that's, right there. Right? That's sugar right there. And if you see, if it's Luke Rockhold, though, you know it's bad news with Luke Rockhold, man. Luke that's Rockhold. what I'm saying. I, I wonder if you stumbled upon Luke Rockhold's girl by accident, because every girl is Luke Rockhold's girl. I just want you to know that, okay? But yeah, that, I mean, those are the old days, okay? Those are the old days. Let's old put days, them behind old us. days. Put them behind us. No one's getting yeah, in trouble I, I'm, here. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I wasn't supposed to be at this party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to play that on this show. All right, let's see more celebrity friends of Rashad. Here's the hot tub popping bubbly with one Phil Brooks, CM Punk. Oh, is he a, yes. Is he a good hang, Rashad? He, Phil Brooks is a cool guy, man. This is when uh, me, Phil, and Luke Rockhold did Exos when the UFC were kind of working out a deal with them, and we went out there and did like um, four or five days, like a week of training. So it was good because I just got done from knee surgery, so I was fat and out of shape. So it was it was much needed. All right. Forrest Griffin in the house as well. Let's close with this, Rashad. I'm sure you've gotten plenty of fan art over the over the years. I found a lot of them on hashtag Rashad Evans. Here's my favorite fan art. I want to see this framed in your house. And uh, <laughs> if we can go split screen here, we can bring in Mike Goldberg, virtually you, identical, Rashad. You, you that know is... what I look like? You know what I look like? I look like Bavon Lewis. You know who Bavon Lewis is? Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> I think Uriah Hall took his soul once. Yes, that is... Uh, that's not necessarily to scale, Rashad. They're not doing your, your forehead any they longer. Do, right. I mean, the, the forehead is kind of large, but that just made it joint like, hey, he was teasing me. Uh, do you have any great stories of uh, fan art or gifts? I know there's a lot of, I mean, there's some fans of ours that came up to Luke and gave them self-made beef jerky out of a gym bag. And we're like, here, eat this. So do you get weird stuff from fans, Rashad? Oh, yeah, I get all kinds of stuff from fans. Art much like that, like you've just seen. I just take it, you know, I take it, smile, or I sign it and stuff like that. Okay. Because, I mean, it's all love, you know what I'm saying? Even if it doesn't flatter me like that picture, I still appreciate it and just you know these guys put their time into it i'm an artist myself so i, I like to draw so oh really I Rashad, what do you, yeah. you, you you do drawings i do drawings yeah i do drawings i we'll I, have I'm, to create a segment here where we show some art rashad i'm, 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 into a, that, okay? I'm gonna show you something i'm gonna show you something yes yes days. bring that shit let's go i'm a big fan of this art all right one day we'll do that okay uh we always close the show rashad with odds and ends on monday any combat stories announcements anything we missed what has tickled your fancy this week in combat sports tito ortiz and anderson spider silver are gonna do a boxing match that i mean 
that to me was huge. I mean, but here's the thing about it. It's going to be at 195. Mm. I mean, Anderson Silva looked great against Shavich Jr. Looked like he should have been boxing a long time. Looked like, actually like a boxer. He's going to be going against Tito Ortiz. Tito Ortiz is not known for his hands. More of the grappling style wrestling. But, I mean, working with Jason Perillo, you know, Tito's hands are kind of decent. But at the same time, Anderson Silva's on another level. And then you have Tito Ortiz cutting weight to 195. Tito is massive, walking around at least like 235, 240. I don't know how he plans on making 195. And then if he does make 195, how even effective he's going to be. So that's my only thing with this fight. But my my main question out of everything is, why am I not getting a call, man? What's going on? Why, you know what I'm saying? Why am I not getting a call, man? Can we get the Tito trilogy on line one? That head's still pretty big. It's kind of, you know, it's a good target right there. Uh, Rashad, this will take place September 11th and it'll be on the Triller pay-per-view headlined by Vitor Belfort and Oscar De La Hoya. It's an interesting piece of theater. I just saw that matchup and I was like, Tito doesn't have hands? What, how are we going to, how is he going to win how? this? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he's going to, I mean, I think he's going to get, He's gonna get work pretty good, but I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see, you know. Hey. But I want to see. I want. I don't want to see. I want to see guys fight. Like I want to see a boxer fight an MMA guy. You know what I'm saying? Like guys that are MMA guys, kind of like I don't know, kind of lose it a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, I'd be willing to see these two fight MMA and like Bellator if they want to make it that happen. But boxing each other, yeah, eh, I agree with you. I'd rather see Anderson Silva against like a fake boxer or a you know, against De La Hoya, something like that, where you're like, okay, I could talk myself into right. Silva being quasi-competitive here. Yeah, it's it's interesting right there. Uh, Rashad, my odds and ends takes us back to Bellator 264. Uh, we didn't, or I didn't, let me say, talk a lot about this, but one of my favorite fighters in the world came back, and he came back with a bang. Spartan Andre Koreshkov, the former two-time Bellator welterweight champion, had a co-main event duel with Saba Homasi, and after a bit of a slow start in that first round, two years removed from his last Bellator fight, Koreshkov put it on him. It was a ground-and-pound wrestling mauling over the last two rounds, took a wide, unanimous decision. Uh, this guy, when he's on, Rashad, and we've seen him in the past, right? The trilogy with Douglas Lima. Like, he's been in some great fights, lost very early in his career to Ben Askren, but came back, retooled, became a champion. I had almost forgot this guy ever existed. He, he had a, uh, a low-profile comeback fight last year for a Russian promotion, but it's been two years since we saw him in the cage. I thought this performance against Tomasi was so strong that you got to kind of parachute him back into the top five of the Bellator welterweight rankings. Did you get the feeling... Like, if this is who Koreshkov is, and I think he's only, what, like 32? He's not not too too far done here. He could be a problem for Yaroslav Amosov. This could be some great booking in the future. I agree. I think he looked phenomenal in this fight. Um, everything about his whole style was was great on Saturday. I'm on Friday, you know. Uh, his his knowing when to strike, his knowing when to impose his wrestling, the, the, the shot, the, the punch selection, the, the striking selection that he chose was on point. I mean, he just looked as if like he didn't miss a beat. He actually looked as if he got, he got a lot better. You know, in the times where you've seen Sabah kind of surging a little bit, it was interesting to see how he handled that. And uh, he weathered that pretty well, was able to get back to the positions that, you know, had him ahead in this fight and just really just cruised to a really pretty comfortable decision. But it wasn't one of those fights where you've seen him letting off gas he put the pressure all the way through. Hats off to Sabah 
who, who really made it a competitive fight and made it a fun fight to watch because no matter how much he was getting his ass whooped, he still came back just enough where it made it so interesting to see what was going to happen in the end. Yeah, and he pulled out a, a strong performance out of Koreshkov by constantly pushing him, like you said, and uh, dead wrong myself, Koreshkov's only 30. And I remember he had lost that split decision to Lorenz Larkin, and he kind of went away for a while. I think there was an injury involved, but so he's got Alexander Shlomenko in his corner, and uh, he looks to be back at it. And I always love this guy because he just smashes, man. He just goes in there and, and looks to grind you out and smash you out of there. And considering Amasov's wrestling advantage over most opponents, that could be a very interesting matchup. So uh, more to come in the future of the Bellator welterweight top five, which also has Logan Storley. We're going to see Douglas Lima against MVP in a rematch. So some big business at 170 for Bellator. Uh, Rashad, that'll wrap up our show for the week. Uh, no Luke Thomas will be off this week, but uh, you'll be seeing Rashad again. I think I'm going to slide in another special guest. Also going to reunite my boy Rafe Bartholomew and myself in the boxing hardcores and take a real deep dive on all things Pacquiao-Ugas this week, so look out for that. I may even F around and take Luke's live chat chair on Thursday and see what I can do there. But uh, Rashad, great catching up with you, going up and down. Um where can we see you again? Maybe on an ESPN broadcast. Uh, maybe you got a set coming up at the Comedy Store. Where are we going to see you again? Uh, I mean, you'll see me here. You'll see me here. I've yeah, been really right. focusing yeah. on, um, you know, just on whatever I need to focus on. Just locally here. I've been doing a lot of training. I've been trying to get a team going, you know, really focusing on my team. Just kind of expanding myself in that compartment. But uh, I'm around. Will you be a trainer, a full-time MMA trainer one day? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking to do so. I'm looking to do so right now. I'm looking at a couple options right now with some gyms and really just kind of figuring out, you know, how much I really want to dive into that. But I've, I've, um, I've got it mapped out where I'm able to, you know, give some dedication to that and still be able to do all the things that I, all the other things that I have going on as well too. So pretty exciting. Great stuff. Uh, follow us on the socials below. Make sure you are following the great Sugar Rashad Evans, which is the handles on both Twitter and Instagram. Follow our show. Uh, guys, like and subscribe this video. The push to 100K is frighteningly close. So uh, thank you for the love. Again, thanks for the love and the support and the prayers for my parents who are on the good side now and turning the corner down there in, South, in North Florida. Excuse me. And uh, yeah, man, thank you to our fans. Uh, take the 30-day plunge for Showtime on Showtime.com. No risk. High reward, as we mentioned. Boxing, MMA, movies, that UFO documentary series. I got to check in on that. Uh, you don't want to miss that. So do that as well. Morning Combat. Dot Store is our merch house. We're going to have some great stuff for you this week. Don't forget, next week, we take the show on the road. Cleveland, Ohio, baby. All things Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley. Rashad, I know you got to be a little excited about that fight. Oh, my God. Listen, watching the Countdown show, they did such a good job with the Countdown show. I'm so, I'm so excited about this fight. I can't wait. And I'm kind of like on the fence. I don't know who's going to win. It's just, it's it's very exciting. I, you know, look, I don't I don't need to tell you what to do with your life, but you want to show up there, right? Wear a t-shirt that says, uh, you know, F the Pauls, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Have one in your bag that says F Woodley just in case because it's going to be a brawl. <laughs> but uh, no, I think this will be a very fun fight. And, and look, it's down the lane of celebrity circus boxing, but... It's got two guys who are taking it serious, though, and who are seriously coming in there to get the KO. So it should be very fun. That All Access is live, by the way. Uh, uh, check that out, that first episode. Very good stuff, an inside look 
Do you believe uh, Jake Paul's mom when she's like, my son's just playing a character. He's just an actor. Mm, no, he's an asshole in real life. <laughs> <laughs> you can't play douche that well. Believe me, I've done it. Okay, I've been doing it for years. All right. For the great Rashad Evans, for our folks at Malco, CBS Sports and Showtime, Corey Manich, Gaff Pierre on the ones and twos. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, that's it. So uh, Luke Thomas is healthy and happy and sound. He'll have a few days off, but he'll be back in the future. Next week's big. This week, we do have some great fights. Pacquiao, Ugas, and more. So we'll be with you all week. Check us out. Until then, I am BC giving you two words. Rashad, hit him with it. We out. <laughs>